and welcome to episode 146, as my voice breaks because I just hit puberty yesterday. Um, this is the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on September 1st, 2019. Make sure you pay your rent, everybody. It is also Labor Day weekend, so if you're a lucky person who has a three-day weekend, uh, I hope you're using those three days to your advantage. My name is Corey Motley. I am a podcast producer and a co-host of The So Video Games. I'm also an occasional writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is my co-host. He is the editor of Game Critics. And most important of all, he is my partner in crime for every single episode of the So Video Games Show. How are you, Brad? I am doing good, doing good. Very excited about today's episode because I'm quite looking forward to talking about our final game. I really want to dig into that. Uh, so I feel like today is going to be a good one. Me too. I actually, like, before we started, we already recorded Banter, everybody. By the way, Banter's back for anybody who is missing it. Uh, Banter is back. Show. It's back. Uh, before we recorded Banter, I, like, don't usually get, like, pre-show jitters or, like, I don't know, like, like a feeling like that. Like, I've very much settled into a groove or whenever we're going to record. I'm just like, all right, we're recording. Let's do it. This is it. But I was feeling, and I don't know if it's because of the last game we're going to talk about today, but I was feeling like... I was kind of like when you feel kind of cold and shivery and I couldn't tell if it was because like my AC was too cold in the house or if it was just because I was like really nervous about like recording the show today. And so I like went and I put a hoodie on and I was trying to like calm down for a second. And I just like felt that way before we started banter. But luckily banter always like gets the ice broken and gets us in the groove of talking. So I don't feel as nervous anymore, but I am very excited to talk about games today. It's funny how you can do a podcast for so many episodes and still get like, you know, a little bit of jitters, a little bit nervous. I get, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of jitters before every show, too. We've done I mean, we've I mean, we've done this show for a long time and I did the, the Game Critics podcast before that. And I do a lot of stuff at work that puts me in front of people. You would think like you would just hit a point where you're just not nervous about it, but I'm always nervous. It's true. And I've heard people say like. Um, related to other type of performances because like I was in marching band when I was in high school and college and like college marching band is like it's like not to like toot my own horn pun intended um, but like it's kind of like a big fucking deal because you're like the first thing that happens for every football game like you do the pregame show and then you do the halftime show and the halftime show is different for every game and like every single time we would go out for a pregame show and we did the same pregame show for every single game like, you know, just walking up to the field and getting information and having your whole uniform on and, like, the helmet on. Like, I, like, my heart would be racing every single time. And there's this, like, exhilaration that comes with performing in front of people. Like, obviously, podcasting is different because it's just you and me talking. But, like, this exhilaration that comes with performing in front of people. And I've heard, uh, you know, other performers or, you know, like, pop stars or movie stars or whatever say in the past that, like, whenever you're performing and you stop feeling that feeling of like jitteriness or like of adrenaline or of excitement, then like maybe that means that you need to be doing something else. Or maybe it means that, you know, maybe you're not as passionate about the thing that you thought you were anymore and that it's time to like change it up or like mix it up or maybe take a, a course correction or something. So the fact that you and I both still get a little like jittery sometimes I think is a good thing for the show. I agree. And speaking of the show, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, 
let's uh, get this housekeeping out of the way. We do have banter later. Um, but as we usually do, except for Brad broke the cycle last week because he is incredibly rude. Um, so because- rude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm still writing apology emails. <laughs> because uh, because I'm hosting this week, I will give Brad free reign uh, to talk about whatever games he wants to talk about at the top of the show. So, Brad, what do you want to chat about first this week? Um, up first, I have a triple pack of games that I've just really fucking didn't like so let me t- <laughs> oh, let no. me talk about these games i know i know we got we've been pretty positive lately so i feel like people know that we we spread the sugar when it's deserved and when it's not deserved we'll give you our honest opinion and i'm going to start off with some honest opinion real quick here so um these are all on the switch by the way first one is called bird game plus literally <laughs> called bird game plus it's a game about wait for it birds a bird (laughs) so i saw this on sale and i thought it looked like so weird and indie i just had to give it a try Um, but i basically threw that 99 cents in the trash Uh, i mean gladly i i didn't pay too much for it but uh, uh, uh apparently it's about a bird that you are and you fly through what i think are randomly generated levels and i guess you just have to fly as long as you can without hitting stuff i think i'm not sure so is it uh, hold on is it like an infinite runner in that sense i mean kind of you're you're flying like third person and your viewpoint is from behind the bird so okay. um yeah but i guess basically like an infinite runner with birds infinite flyer i guess <laughs> um but i i can't really say for sure and i'll tell you why um the thing that really caught my eye about this game was the art style basically black and white and it kind of looked like a pencil drawing so that was like oh this looks kind of different and i'm gonna check this out it looks looks unique you know um but it ran like shit on the switch (laughs) and i'm sorry but there's a lot of games that are very graphically intensive which run just fine on the switch um sometimes they make little shortcuts or allowances sometimes not this game looks as fucking basic with a capital b as you can get i mean it's like (laughs) a white screen with pencil lines and it was chugging like I would start a game and the timer would start. And after the game timer started, the game still hadn't loaded in the graphics of the bird. So I'm like beginning a level and I can't even see my bird yet. So I don't know what's taking the game so long to load that stuff. And to be perfectly fucking honest with you, I didn't even finish the tutorial. I couldn't get past the tutorial. Um, You start flapping and the first thing is like, you know, move your left stick to move the bird. Okay, got it. No problem. The next thing that happens is a giant log starts rolling towards you and the the tutorial says uh like push y and then fly to the right and so i do that and the log crush me i'm like well okay maybe i maybe i didn't do that right let's try that again get to the same part here comes the log push y and go to the right try it again log crushes me i try it like five six more times log crushes me every single time i don't know what i'm doing wrong it's step two of the fucking tutorial (laughs) not even in the game yet not even playing the game yet and i couldn't figure out what i was doing wrong i was doing the directions exactly what it said i tried many permutations of it i tried moving the stick first then y or then y then the stick or maybe tapping y holding y like none of it worked i got crushed by the log every single time in literally step two of the tutorial i did this like five or six times and then i said fuck you and i deleted that fucking game and moved on so uh, i would just quickly advise anybody to skip this thing i don't know if you can even play it i don't know what the deal is but it shouldn't be even on the eShop. somebody should vet this out it's it's trash um second game is something that is very highly anticipated it's the new game from platinum have you heard of platinum Corey? uh they made um some kind of like 
Devil May Cry knockoff or something. Is that right? What was little, it? Little little um, thing called Bayonetta. I think oh, people have yeah, heard of. Oh yeah, yeah, Bayonetta. That's right. Um, I think I have heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> they've done a number of fighting games. They've got a real rep in the industry for like intense combat and like really demanding sort of combat games. They've had a a weird history. They they do some different things here and there, but I think they've got a real cult following. Um, so their new game is called Astral Chain. It's a Switch exclusive. Uh, I've seen videos of it since, I think, E3. I was really excited for it. Um, I'm not the biggest Platinum fanboy. I'm about 50-50 with them. I love half their games, and I I do not love their other half uh, of their of their library. But um, I, I like their style. I like I kind of like what they're going for. And even when their games are a miss, there's usually something interesting about them anyway, even if I don't end up liking them that much. But Astral Chain looked really cool. It was a third-person... Uh, you know, it looked like a combat game, kind of like in a Devil May Cry Bayonetta sort of a style thing. But the hook was that you had a like spirit creature with you and it was attached to you by a chain. So that's where you get chained from. <laughs> um, and you use it to like do combos. It follows you around and you can like change out the monster for different kinds of monsters. And so kind of like a combat game, but you also have like this monster management and that like the videos looked all like really kick ass. And I'm like, OK, cool. I haven't bought like a triple A switch game in a while it's just basically been my indie machine which is fine i love the indies i mean that's really i mean i'm i'm happy with that but this is one that i was kind of hyped for and it came out a couple days ago all the reviews were like basically stellar um people in my timeline were like oh my god platinum's best game this is like better than they've ever done this is so great this is like better than bayonetta it's better than anything they've done and i'm like oh man well okay i uh i need i need something for my switch because uh i was in la at the time i didn't have a whole lot to play and I was like, oh, well, this is something I'm exciting for. Reviews are really strong. And I mean, people are, you know, good word of mouth. And but it was like 60 bucks. And I'm like, dude, I never pay full price for a game. I, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to wait for sale. But then like the hype just kept building, dude. Like the hype kept building and building and building. And I, I got suckered in. I, I was weak. I was bored. <laughs> I wanted something to play. And this is one that I had been looking at since E3. And the word of mouth was strong. I had some eShop points on my Switch. So I... I uh, spent those points and I ended up only paying about like 45 for it. So that's better. I mean, still more than I like to pay for a game, but you know, better than 60. I really don't like this game at all, dude. I really, really, really fucking don't like it. Uh, it's strange because it didn't end up being at all like what I thought it was going to be. The vi the videos, I think the trailers didn't quite capture what this game actually is because it's kind of like a third person adventure game where you there is combat, but the combat of using your creature on a chain is oddly like passive like you kind of hang back and you send your monster to go fight them but you don't really control the monster you tell it where to go but that's about it the monster kind of like auto attacks the other monster and you're just kind of like walking around you can try to get a couple hits in but i didn't find it to be very effective and then when you're not doing that kind of passive combat um you're walking around in these levels and since you're a police officer you do these like quote-unquote investigations where like you go and talk to somebody and somebody says some garbage and then you just have to do like a really, really simple thing like go here and pick up this item and bring this item back. Or, oh, this guy's running away. Go grab this guy real quick and then bring him back. It's like really dull. And there's a lot of fucking talking, like really a ton of cutscenes, which are not interesting. It's got this really kind of generic anime, just banter, filler, chit chat stuff going on. Um, I didn't care about any of the characters. I didn't care about the story. Uh, the, the action was really dull, and I really thought the investigation side of the game could just fuck right off. Like, if that whole thing had been removed, I think it would have been fine. 
So I bounced off it like after about 90 minutes, maybe, maybe, maybe two hours. And I'm like, this is so fucking boring. It's putting me to sleep. And I can't believe I just spent like 45 bucks on this. I felt so um, like I just wasted my money. If the Switch had a refund policy, I would have totally refunded the game and got my money back because it, it was not anything what I expected from Platinum. Um, I've heard some people say it quote unquote gets good after the, like three or four hours. So I guess that's a thing. But I don't want to be bored for three or four hours. I got other games to play. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit there and just like force myself through this drivel to get to maybe good stuff later. So I really, really, really did not like Astral Chain, and I fucking I spent more money on that game than I think I've spent on any other game this year, which sucked. Uh, just very, very disappointed in that one. Um, and the last one, like I'm not really gonna bash exactly but i'm gonna say it was really not to my taste is torchlight 2 originally came out for the pc a while ago it was a big hit on the pc uh and they're just now coming around to porting it to the switch um i don't remember what year it was from but it's from a while ago uh i remembered people loving it at the time i really wanted to play it but it was a pc exclusive at that time and i didn't want to play anything on pc so i just let it go here is my chance um and also i should say that it is currently still under embargo but by the time the show goes up the embargo will be down i think the embargo drops in two days the idea of embargoing something that's already out on a new platform is incredibly silly to me i agree dude if your game's been out for like eight years and you haven't really done anything but port it why do you have an embargo i mean the only thing it says to me is your game runs poorly and you don't want people to know about it like that's all that says to me but (laughs) Uh, so Torchlight 2, I've never played it before. It's basically a Diablo clone. So if you like Diablo, you will probably like Torchlight. Um, I don't think I really like Diablo that much anymore. Um, there's zero tutorial whatsoever when you start Torchlight. I was like, what's going on? Who am I? What is the world? What is the situation? What are, what are my buttons? I don't know what anything is. Literally no tutorial. Um, you start and it's like a third person overhead, kind of a top down sort of thing. And you just start whacking monsters, whacking monsters loot drops i don't know what loot is good loot i don't know what my stats mean i don't know where my life bar is or what's going on i don't know if my abilities use magic or they just have a cooldown or what are these you know what does the red meter mean what does the blue meter mean i don't know so i just kind of hang with it for a while try to figure things out as i go i mean it's basically just like the same diablo thing where you know loot with a bigger number pops up you put you equip the thing with the bigger number get rid of the thing with a smaller number and you just keep grinding um, I, I got bored of it really quickly. The story was just one of those things where you, you talk to somebody with an exclamation point over their head. They drop like, a, like nine paragraphs of like text that you don't give a shit about <laughs> and you just skip through it. And then you just follow the quest marker to wherever it is. You kill the thing that's there. You come back and then you're done. Um, uh, really dull, really flat. I mean, I guess it Diablo's pretty well. People really, really liked it back in the day, but I don't see anything here that really gets me into it. And I got to be honest, it's really small in handheld mode. It's 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 viewable, it's playable, and as far as I've seen, it runs fine. But it's really small. Um, the action is very small. Uh, it's just not really pleasant to watch something that small on that screen. And I just think it's really boring. I'm just not doing anything but pushing a button and killing monsters and getting loot that goes up slowly. So nothing there to really capture my attention. Didn't give a shit about the story, and uh, I I was done with it after like an hour and. I forgot I played it like five minutes later. So if there's anybody out there who is waiting for Torchlight 2 after all these years, here's your chance. Otherwise, um, there's a brand new Torchlight game coming up soon, and I would rather probably check that one out. I'm sure it's going to be a lot more modern, have a lot more uh, you know, updates and new systems that we probably are more used to as modern gamers. Um, I mean, it's Torchlight 2 is a great port, but 
I I just found it really fucking boring. So if that's your if you like the Diablos, you like those kind of grinding loot games, maybe go for it. Otherwise, I would say maybe hold off for the brand new Torchlight coming pretty soon. Hmm. Uh, whenever you're describing Torchlight 2, it reminds me of... Because um, I know that games like this are something... And we talked about this a tiny bit last week when we were talking about the difference between like games that kind of hand you things and games that sort of like challenge you to go like find things. And this game kind of seems to fall into the latter. And whenever you were talking about Torchlight, the whole time, I'm just thinking about like whenever like Borderlands came out and everybody was like in love with Borderlands. And it took me like a year probably to get around to playing it just because I was playing other stuff. And then I finally like rented Borderlands and I played it and not for very long, mind you. And like, that's kind of what I thought about Borderlands and I was playing it. Like, yeah, it's different because it's like a first person shooter and it's, you know, post-apocalyptic, cel-shaded, whatever, very stylized, very beautiful game. Um, But the whole time I was playing it, I was just like, okay, I go talk to this person. They give me eight paragraphs of stuff that I don't care about at all. I go to like some cave somewhere. I kill something. And then I go back to that person so they can give me four paragraphs and then like a prize. And they give me a gun that has like 0.2 damage better than the gun I currently have. So I have to keep checking my inventory every like 35 seconds to make sure I'm equipped because you get a new gun like every four seconds in that game and so you're like checking your inventory all the time just to equip the gun that has like a slightly better damage or slightly better reload time or whatever and like I just can't like I know that those games have a huge market I know people love them I know people love the grind and they love getting new stuff and they love you know equipping more weapons and customizing themselves but I just can't I they're not for me and I can't get behind it and that sounds very much like Torchlight except for Torchlight is Diablo and Borderlands is first person shooter. I was really bored with Borderlands also. I just you know like exactly like I said you're checking your your menu every 5 seconds cuz you get guns like you're drowning in guns and like these tiny little upgrades um, that don't really mean anything. And the story was fucking dumb and I just like <laughs> had no interest. Kind of the same thing in Torchlight too. Like I didn't care about you know, 0.02 up, you know, of endurance if you put this specific sword on and just like a lot of just fiddling with shit. And just like, I just, I didn't give a fuck about any of it. I mean, I think that kind of stuff can work in a certain context or, you know, if you really care about the game, but I just, I really didn't care about the game. Interesting little side story, by the way. Um, I'm still playing Elex. Uh, I fucking love that game. That game is great, dude. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it extensively, but I, I, I will talk about it once I finish it. I'm going to definitely try to finish it. It's really, 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 really good. Um, but I was, I was actually just, it's like the, it's like the polar opposite of Torchlight because you start out in Elex with like a shitty weapon and you can buy weapons, but you're probably not strong enough to equip them for like several hours. So like, you know, you, you, you grind, you get some levels, you, you try to save up enough money. Money's really tight in that game. And you finally get like the sword and it's like, maybe like, you know, it's like a, like a plus three. But then it feels like, you know, like you really like are better. Like that's a noticeable difference because you've used the same sword for like six hours. And so like they don't drown you in loot. Like I think the entire time I've been playing Elex, I'm probably about 40 hours in. I've had exactly two different sets of armor the entire time. And I found the sword that I'm using now. I think I found it about 16 hours after I started the game. That was only my second sword that I have equipped. But when I got that sword, the second sword... It was such a huge step up that I felt like a complete badass. Like, it was, like, super significant and super <laughs> meaningful. Like, it made the 14 or 16 hours of, like, having the shitty sword 
totally worth it because when you get the new sword and it's actually fucking awesome, you're like, yes, I'm fucking awesome now. Like, this feels so different than it did five minutes ago. You go back to those guys that kicked your asses, you kick their fucking asses, and then all of a sudden you're, like, super strong and, like, all these things that were that were brick walls to you, like, you're just knocking them down. And so, I mean, literally two weapons equipped in, like, 40 hours is, like, absolutely the opposite of something like Torchlight or Borderlands where you're switching weapons, like, every 30 seconds. And to me, I much rather prefer the fewer weapons model because it just feels so much better. It feels so much more important. Like when you find something, I mean, like when I found the sword that I got, it was like in the middle of nowhere, there was a really couple of tough monsters. I decided to take them on for no reason, just cause I was feeling, you know, salty. I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm going to start a fight with you. I fight these monsters. It was really tough. I died like 10 times, had to reload 10 times, finally killed these monsters who were in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't a quest or anything. It was just monsters in the middle of nowhere that I, that caught my eye. Right. So I go kill these monsters, reload a bunch, finally fucking kill them and as i'm looting their bodies i notice that over like in the corner of their cave there's just like a sword stuck there and i pick up the sword and it's like way fucking better than what i've got and i'm like oh my god this sword's like amazing and it's just like i just found it like nobody told me to go there i could have easily walked right by it and i never would have ever found it and that feeling of discovery of like organic natural curiosity rewarded with this thing which is like a hyper tangible improvement like like crazy upgrade it was like the best feeling ever dude like so so much better than finding like another plus zero zero point two five increased damage gun or something um i'm not saying that that the borderlands or the diablo model doesn't work i mean obviously it works for a lot of people uh but i think you have to be really careful about it and i think it's really easy to like overdo it um, so anyway, just a little contrast there. I, I like the way that Elex does it better, but I do see value in the Diablo model, but, but man, when I got that sword, oh dude, I was like, I, I fucking told my wife about it. She didn't give a shit. She didn't give a shit that I found this sword, but I'm like, honey, I'm so excited. I got to tell you about this sword. She's like, what? What game are you playing? The game I've been playing for like 30 hours. Oh, what about it? I found this fucking sword. Oh my God. It's like so great. She's like, okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I've had this shitty sword for like 16 hours. I haven't been able to kill anything. And now I'm killing all these guys. It's fucking cool. Okay, good. I'm happy for you. You, you, I need some fucking love from you right now because this sword is the best. Anyway, that's how excited I was about finding the sword. And that's what a great feeling it was. Um, I love that feeling. Diablo does not give me that feeling. Uh, Torchlight 2 does not give me that feeling. Uh, but Elex gave me that feeling. I'm going to stop talking about it now. I will talk about Elex later when I finish it. I fucking love that game, though. But now, that's all I have to say uh, about the three games which I gave a dismissal to. Sorry to start off on a negative, but I feel like we're going to end on a positive. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Corey, I'm going to turn it over to you. I don't even know this game that you're talking about. I've never even heard about it, and I read game news every single day. How is it that you managed to find a game that I have never heard of? I always find games you never heard of because I play the... Well, first of all, I, I'm always searching for this genre, the walking sim first-person narrative adventures that you, like, never dip a toe in. And, True. Truth, truth, truth. And also, I have a gaming PC, so that, like, opens up my options a little bit more. But I will say, um, the game I'm going to talk about right now, it's called Alea, E-L-E-A, as in, like, somebody's name. Um, <clears throat> I did see this on the PlayStation Network first, so... I, I tend to do this, I've said this on the show probably every like third show since we've started. Like every week I try to just log into the PlayStation 4 and look through the new games just to see if there's anything interesting out because a lot of games don't have the marketing budgets to have like a splash screen on the PlayStation Network or something like that. So you I just like to go in there and see what's new. And I saw this game called Alea and I was like, oh, I haven't heard of this. And I think it was on sale for like 
I want to say it was like $8 or like $7.50 or something. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's a really reasonable price. I've never heard of this. I can't remember if the tile for it like looked interesting, but I clicked on it and it was like this sort of like sci-fi first person looking game. And I didn't, I couldn't really tell a whole lot about it, but whenever I looked at it, I just knew in my heart that this was a game that had come out on PC and had just made it to PlayStation 4 because we've been revisiting this so much lately. So I immediately jump on my computer, open up Steam, and would you believe it that it came out on play on PC before it came out to PlayStation 4? So I feel bad for Sony because this has been happening a lot where I find these games on PS4 and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'd rather buy it on PC and then I buy it on PC and Sony does not get any of my money from that. So I bought Alea on PC, and the kind of confusing thing about Alea is it looks like, I can't really tell, I haven't deep-dived on this, but it kind of looks like they originally launched it as, like, they were going to do, like, a, an episodic-type game, and then it looks like they just kind of ended up releasing the whole thing, because, like, when you search for it, you can find Alea Episode 1 on Steam, but then you can also just find Alea, which is like the whole game. So I don't really know how they did it, but um, this is a first-person uh, science fiction uh, narrative adventure game, a.k.a. A Walking Sim, where you play as... the the. I looked at the website for this earlier to like try to get like their story details off of it because full disclosure, I played... I started this like a week and a half ago and I have not gotten back to it, but I do like it. So this is going to be like a pretty early impressions thing. The story overview on their website is very wordy, um, but basically it's a first-person adventure game where you play as this female scientist aboard a spaceship in the future. It's like 2093, I believe. And there's this, there's kind of like a two-step thing going on here. So on one hand, there's this overarching story about how this like neurological mutation hit like all of humanity. And at a certain point in time, every child that was born due to this mutation, um, they had like uncontrollable rage the game says so i guess like i don't know if they just like claw their way out of the womb and start like murdering everybody inside i'm not really sure how this works um and then they came up with a cure for it i was gonna say but, oh they're born as like your average white man gamer huh <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah i guess this game is even more layered than i thought it was um and they, they, <laughs> so political they commentary that just the womb opens up and before you even see the baby it's just an ak-47 barrel popping out and then the child comes out after it um okay okay that is the, a horrific the, image <laughs> i am scarred now i am i'm not going to be able to forget that one tonight. oh my god all right let me let me reel this thing back in god damn it okay so they come up with a cure for this like neurological mutation however the cure basically makes the children like lifeless. So they either have to decide between these like enraged children or giving them the cure that makes them like totally pacified and like basically like lack all of emotion. The interesting thing about this whole theme is that I've been playing the game for like an hour and a half and it like has not really come up in the game yet. Like they kind of tell you this is going on. Like this is the world we live in. But the immediate thing that you're doing in the game is you're playing as this female scientist who's married to another like space exploration dude. 
he goes off on this big um, spacecraft that's going to colonize some planet somewhere. This is very, like, par for the course sci-fi. The ship that he's on disappears, and then she, and the woman you're playing as, is trying to sort of, like, unravel the mystery of, like, try to try to get back to him, to try to find him, or figure out what happened. And so, like, the meat of the game is her, like, exploring her spaceship and trying to, like, while she's on her journey to try to find out what happened to him. But the other thing, there's, like, God, there's so many things going on in this game. I know, you're just, like, listing all these different things. Jesus, yeah. this game is, like, way more complicated than I originally <laughs> thought it was. But this is a good thing, though. I want to be clear about that. Um, the other thing that's going on is that she sometimes, and the game hasn't been really upfront about this, but, and this is something I love, which you'll know as soon as I start explaining it. She uses this, like, kind of like a... I don't want to say VR, but she uses this thing where she kind of like, it's like a VR for her to like relive past memories. And so it's got this thing going on every once in a while where like, you're not sure if you can like trust what's going on because maybe you're in this like dream simulation or maybe you're not. And like, she will, like, strap into it, and there's, like, a whole section where you play as it early in the game, and it kind of, like, starts malfunctioning while she's in it, and suddenly she's in this, like, glass room that's on top of this, like, endless ocean, and there's, like, a whale that's, like, bursting up out of the water, and it's, like, totally, it's totally weird, but it's totally, like, the kind of stuff that I'm, like, a million percent on board for, because it's just, like, this weird, like, out of left field, can you trust what's going on? Can you not trust what's going on? Like, how do you get to the bottom of this mystery? And then at a certain point, she unplugs from it, and then she is just, like, exploring the spaceship that she's on. And, like, the the environmental design in the game, it's, like, really, really slick and really great-looking. And whenever I was trying to decide if I wanted to buy this game or not, I was looking at the reviews on Steam, which I do sometimes, but usually I take every review I read with, like, the tiniest grain of, like, nanoparticle salt as I possibly can. <laughs> and there were a number of reviews that were like, oh, the environmental design is so great, but the story is kind of slow, and it's, like, takes a long time to get somewhere, and, like, maybe they should have put more money into, like, the story development because it's kind of slow. And I was like, mm -hmm, you might have written this review thinking that that sounded like a negative to you, but that sounds like a positive to me. So I bought the <laughs> game immediately. And I was like, if you can give me great environmental design with this kind of like slow burn investigative story, like totally on board with it. And that's like exactly what it is right now. Like I'm spending a lot of time exploring, like the spaceship that she's on is segmented very well because it's got like a like an elevator, like a central elevator. And I think it's got like four or five floors. And so it's not very big. It's not like, I mean, it's similar to like the Normandy in a way where like it has its different decks, but they're smaller than the Normandies. And there's different things going on in every deck. And I haven't played it a ton. So I want to be clear that this is a very like early impressions and I keep wanting to get back to it. But a game that we're going to be talking about later has been sucking up on my free time lately. So um, Alea, I haven't played all of yet, but I just, I really like the vibe that it's giving off because it's very up my alley as far as like kind of a slow burn walking sim. It's really beautiful. The environments are really well done, but in a way that kind of looks like, you know, like whenever you watch like stuff in the late nineties or early two thousands that like depicted what they thought the future would look like, that's kind of what this has going on. Cause it's very like shiny. It's very metal. It's very neon, but it's very like in a way that I appreciate and that I think is very cool. 
So it's got great design. Um, the woman that you play as gives me kind of like, kind of like, um, like Ripley, like Sigourney Weaver in Alien vibes. Cause she's got like, she's very kind of calculated about what she's doing and she's got a great voice actor. Like her voice actor, she's not, she's got like a great kind of like deep voice and she sounds really cool. And she's just kind of matter of fact about it. And there's like a point in the game where you have to like, you have an option to like, poison not poison but like put like a sedative in one of your colleagues like coffee cups to like knock them out to steal their id card to like break into the server and it's just like she's just very like cool about it like okay i guess i have to like poison my colleague let's do this and it just it's she's not like oh no i can't do this she's just like all right here we go she's very like like I don't like stalwart on her mission. Like she needs to find her man and figure out what's going on. And I really appreciate that about it. So it's got, it's just got a lot of things going on that I really like. And I want to spend more time with it. I just haven't been able to yet, but it's very uh, up my alley. I mean, anybody who's listened to the show knows that this is like basically ticking like every single box that it could possibly tick for me. Um, like, I'm not sure if it's going to be like something I'll talk about, like come game of the year time or whatever, because I still have some time to go with it. And it could of course get, bad later on but right now it's very good i'm really enjoying it um it kind of falls into that slight like indie jank territory that's like kind of experimental but it's like solid enough to play and i really like it and i also appreciate the fact that it launched on the ps4 so if people are listening and they're thinking like oh here goes Corey again talking about some weird pc game that we can't play like it's on ps4 so i don't know if it's on xbox one but i know it's on ps4 for sure um but so far, so good. I'm enjoying it. Um, I will definitely bring it back to the show because I plan on playing it more probably next week. And it's pretty much like a nice little like package of all the things that I like in a game. Like you think maybe these people would have like developed this specifically for me in a way. Um, but I like it so far and I think it's good and I'm very excited to play more of it. Sounds pretty interesting, actually. Um, I looked it up when you were talking, and I now once I saw the screenshots, I'm like, oh, that's right. I did look at this um, briefly. I mean, the name is kind of generic and doesn't really stand out that much. Um, but I think I wish listed it on PS4 because it wasn't on sale at the time. But I mean, I mean, this is not my kind of jam, but I am in the mood for these once in a while, and I do like sci-fi games um, more than just like spooky games or more than just like murder mystery games or something. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this. Maybe I'll, I'll grab it when it's on uh, sale. And I look forward to your final thoughts once you wrap it up. Me too. I look forward to playing it more and hoping that it stays as solid as it has right now in the future. But I will definitely report back once I play it some more. Right on, right on. All right, cool. That's That sounds like kind of a win. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about this later. Um, let me talk about one more game before we get to the meat of the episode, or what I perceive will be the meat of the episode. <laughs> um, back on my bullshit. Sorry, folks. I, I had to do it. I can't go a week without playing another roguelike. You know oh me. You know your boy. You know your boy. <laughs> down. Yeah, I brought the walking sim. You brought the roguelike. I know. Here we are. <laughs> We're so fucking pathetic and predictable. It's disgusting. Uh, I played... An, it's not a new game. It came out, I think, earlier this year. It's called... Skelly Celeste, S-K-E-L-L-Y-S-E-L-E-S-T. It is a top-down, 2D, pixel-based, kind of a roguelike. You know you know, I love these things. I play, like, literally every one that's on the Switch. <laughs> uh, and this is an interesting one. It's uh, It's got all the same usual stuff that you would expect that I would talk about. You know, you do run-based gameplay. You get uh, random uh, pickups. It's, uh, you know whatever you know like each room is like one level and so you're like fighting off bad guys and 
go from room to room, do your roguelike stuff, try to get to the end of it. Uh, but there's lots of little details that make it actually pretty cool and notable. And then like one detail that makes it awful. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a mix. Um, the basic story is that you play a skeleton that has been reanimated by heaven to put demons who are uh, trying to burst out of hell back in their place. Uh, so it's not the usual roguelike setup. And there's tons of like really satanic imagery in this. It's kind of like got that heavy metal album cover sort of a feel to it. So hold like, on, this, this is basically the prequel to Doom then, right? I mean, it is. Or maybe, you, maybe you're the space <laughs> marine after he finally gets killed and they, he gets revived and sent back to like finish the business he couldn't finish. Who knows? It could be like a Doom alt universe or something. Um, so like the, the graphics are pretty cool. It's got a really grungy, kind of bloody, gross look. Lots of pentagrams. Lots of, like, demons and shit like that. So if you like that kind of, like, dark demonic imagery, which, you know, which works for me sometimes. I, you know, I like some of that stuff sometimes if the if the tone is right. Uh, you go in there and... So, okay, so here's, here's my thing. Like, the main character, the skeleton that you play as, has an axe and he has a gun. And so your gun is fairly strong, but it's only got five bullets. And you, when you kill somebody with your axe, it gives you a bullet back. So it's kind of like, I think that what the developer was going for was like, you know, the gun seems kind of overpowered. We don't want you to rely too much on the gun. So we give you very little ammo, but then you've got to do the melee to get the gun back. It makes sense in my head and I understand what they were going for. But the, the main problem with Skelly Celeste is that their combat with this skeleton feels like shit. It feels awful. And when you're doing a roguelike like this, you have to feel like you are in total control of your character. It has to respond when you want him to respond. It has to be peppy. It's got to move. Because when your skeleton is in a dungeon, he's constantly surrounded by other demons and shit. And they are not only attacking you with melee attacks, but quite a few of them throw shit at you or shoot shit at you or lob grenades at you. So with your ammo running out so quickly, you are very often bringing a, a knife to a gunfight in this game, which <laughs> does not work. That is a phrase that exists because it is a truism. If people are shooting at you, you cannot fight them with a melee weapon. And even worse than that, it's a very slow, deliberate strike with the axe. And so, like, he has to stop. It takes him, like, a quarter of a second to, like, swing the axe. And then he can't move until the axe is done. And in that quarter of a second, when you're standing still with your axe, you're getting hit. Like, guys are coming up and grabbing you. You're getting shot with bullets and spit and grenades from across the room. It feels terrible. It is not fun to play. So, what happens is, this game actually offers a wide array of modes. It's very generous with the modes. There's like a, a story mode with like a really short story. There's a, a longer mode where you have to like free people who are caught in a dungeon. It's more of like a, more of like a maze, sort of a dungeon crawl sort of a thing rather than being just focusing on the melee. Uh, there's another one, which is kind of like a, uh, like a, uh, an arena mode where you play as long as you want. There's a, a couple other modes that I haven't unlocked yet. And there's also like a card game, which is like, it's totally own separate thing. Kind of reminds me of something like, uh, I don't know, like Triple Triad or something from Final Fantasy, where you just play cards. So this game has this weird, like, generosity of modes, but the main character feels like shit. But if you go into one of these <laughs> other modes, well, I mean, it's, it's weird, right? This is the main character. Everybody's going to play as this character. It doesn't work. It just doesn't fucking work. Your character cannot stand still when you're getting swarmed by mobs. And I just, it just, no, 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 no. Like, it doesn't work. So what happens is... I was playing this game, getting kind of frustrated. I went into a different mode where it's one where you can unlock some people that are in a dungeon. One of the characters that I unlocked is another character that you can use. So like you free this character, go back to the main menu, 
pick which character you want to use. I pick the new guy, and the new guy has a gun. He only has a gun. And so he can move and shoot at the same time, plus he can shoot in all the directions. And then once I started using this unlockable character, I'm like, oh, this game is much more fun now because I can control it. I don't feel stuck. The melee was not working for me, so having a gun makes a lot more sense with the kind of melee action that this is. It feels a lot more like Binding of Isaac or, uh, you know, one of those type of roguelikes where you're just like constantly on your feet, a little bit like Enter the Gungeon, maybe something like that. If you know what those games control, like very fast action, you got to be quick on your toes, you're taking shots and you're dodging guys. That's what this kind of game is. And like pinning your character down when he attacks is like such a horrible idea. I don't know why they stuck with it and I don't know why they didn't change it. So that's a really big problem that really drags this game down quite a bit. But once you or if you find that unlockable character, because I just found him randomly, I didn't know he was there. I didn't know that was an option. I just I just stumbled across it. Uh, once you get the character who can shoot a gun all the time, then the game gets to be actually playable, and then it kind of is more fun. So um, I used that character for the entire rest of my playthrough, uh, finished the story mode. I finished like a couple of the other modes, um, you know, got some high scores on some of the, uh, the different modes that it offered. I spent some time with the card game. That was okay. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's got, uh, I like the flavor of it. It's pretty generous with its power-ups during a run you know as any good roguelike you pick up power-ups as you go and this one is, is quite generous with them you get a guaranteed one after every level so if you can stay alive for the first two or three levels you'll be pretty strong by that point and you have a real good chance of finishing so i like that the loops to finish the game are small you can finish a run in like half an hour or maybe even less which is good very good for a roguelike power-ups come fast and furious that's also really good it's got a lot of modes it's also really good i like the demonic theme and the art is really good um tons of stuff to dig into like like it's all like like really good except for like the main character sucks and the combat's <laughs> terrible and i can't wholeheartedly re recommend this game because it doesn't make any sense that you have to unlock a hidden character before the game starts to even feel playable but that's the reality of this game like skelly celeste is a shit game really really poor until you get that character and then it and then it's fun so that puts me in a really awkward place as like a reviewer or as a person talking about this game on a podcast because I can't recommend a game if you have to do some secret shit to make it fun. So I don't know. But otherwise, like once you get that character, like I think there's a lot to say for it. I, you know, it's got a lot of really good qualities. So I'm just really confused. I'm just really, really confused that the developer thought the combat worked in this game the way that it does. I really don't think it works at all. So, I mean, maybe he didn't want to be too close to something like Gungeon or, or um, Binding of Isaac. Maybe he wanted to do his own thing. But those games are those games for a reason. It's because they work that way. And doing something different does not mean it's going to work guaranteed. And I think that's kind of where this game ended up. The main, the main mode doesn't work. But if you get into that little bonus mode with the bonus character, pretty fun. And I would recommend it to people who like roguelikes. So just, I guess, know that going into it. Like your, your job, if you buy this game is to unlock that new character ASAP because it's not fun until that point. But but once you do, smooth sailing. So a weird kind of half and half. I mean, overall recommend, but just, you know, just, you know, just know that going into it here. It sounds a little bit, uh, I'm getting reminded slightly of whenever I played Not a Hero a while back because that game has kind of a similar setup where you're playing, I mean, it has concrete levels, so it's not quite a roguelite, but you... <clears throat> you unlock different characters as you play the game. And then like the character you start with is probably not the best character in the game, but say you finish like one or two levels, then you unlock a person who has different kinds of guns or a person who has like, you know, some kind of other melee, or maybe they have like a dash move or something. And so 
you're kind of like, it's almost you're like forced through this like weird initiation at the beginning of the game until you unlock a character that makes things slightly easier and then, or maybe that adapts them to a play style that you're more comfortable with perhaps. And unfortunately, no matter what characters I unlocked and not a hero, I didn't really care for that game. Um, but it sounds like a similar situation to what I was in whenever I played that. It's backwards. I mean, uh, number one, agreeing with you on not a hero. The game is way too hard. But like it, I mean, they should give you the easiest character first, let you feel good about it, let you learn the systems, get comfortable with gameplay, and then once you've mastered it, then you unlock somebody who is like different in a slightly more difficult way. So it's kind of like a self-selecting difficulty. Like if you blew through the campaign and you're like, oh, that was no big deal. Okay, cool. Here's a guy who's got this fucked up melee, and that's harder. <laughs> it's way harder. So if you think you're good, then use this guy who sucks. And if you can beat the game with this guy, then you're a great player. Or, like, you know, it gives you that challenge if you want to extend your game time. I mean, giving somebody who is, like... I mean, that character's just broken. It just doesn't work. And giving that person that character is guaranteed going to turn a lot of people off. Like, if I had not found the gun character... And, again, I found him just on accident. If I had not found that gun character, we would be having a very different conversation right now. I would be trashing this game and saying what a misfire it was and, you know, like, how terrible it was and I wasted my money on it. But it made all the difference finding that one character, and I just I really can't wrap my head around why they gave you the broken melee first and, and how they thought it worked. It just it just really doesn't work. But anyway, Skelly Celeste, there's a lot to like if you can unlock that one character. If you like um, quickie run-based roguelikes, I think it fits that niche pretty well, and there's a lot to unlock. There's a lot to dig into. Just know that you got to find that one gun character. Otherwise, this game feels like shit. So <laughs> anyway, all right, enough of that. We are moving on to a game that I think we both are very excited to talk about. Corey, I'm going to give you the floor, but we're talking about Control, just out recently from Remedy, published by 505 Games. This is the game that I kind of got excited about. And in fact, we talked about this. I remember we talked about this where I said, I'm not a Remedy fan. I don't like any really, I really don't like any of the games they've put out, except for maybe a little bit of Alan Wake. But I was going to give this one a try. I expected to hate it. I expected it to suck because I just don't like their games. And now here's Control. I've played a couple hours. Corey, you've completed it. Is that correct? I have completed it. And we're about to drop a dime on this. And I suspect that we are both going to say the exact same thing. But before we do, I want to make clear, I have not finished the game. And I'm going to finish this game. So please, I beg of you, sir, no, no spoilers for me, no spoilers for the audience. Can we agree on that? We can agree on that. Excellent. Okay, so folks, I haven't finished it, so my perspective is limited. Corey's finished it, but this will be a spoiler-free discussion. Have no fear, Corey. Uh, I'm going to turn the floor over to you, sir. Tell us about Control. Yes, so Control, yeah, Remedy's newest game. Remedy is famous for, I mean, perhaps most famous for Max Payne, um, which came out on PC a million years ago, and PlayStation 2, and then was later ported to everything. I have it on my goddamn iPhone, as a matter of fact, um, which plays surprisingly well. I want everybody to know that. The iPhone version of Max Payne is actually pretty good. Um, Max Payne 2, Alan Wake, Quantum Break. Um, I loved Max Payne 1 and 2. I was very excited for Alan Wake based on how much I loved Max Payne 1 and 2. I thought Alan Wake was hot-ass garbage, and then I played Quantum Break, hoping that my love of Max Payne 1 and 2 would be reinvigorated with, Con with Quantum Break. And I thought Quantum Break was really dumb, too. So I was very <laughs> hesitant to play 
uh, control because it looks really good, but re- this whole remedy thing going on, where like they put out these games that look really good or they have really good premises or whatever, and then I played them, and for one reason or another, I just can't quite get on board with them. Um, so I was very hesitant. The good news for me is that I'm actually reviewing this for Game Critics. So full disclosure on my end, I got a code from 505 and Remedy to review this. I will be reviewing it for Game Critics. I'll be talking about it now. Brad and I might come back and do a spoiler episode about it in the future when he finishes it, but I will be, I'm manning the the first review for this on Game Critics. Um, and I spent um, a lot of last week playing it. So here's what happened. I talked about this a little bit in banter, so you'll have to hear a little bit of repeat of this later, but... Brad gave me the code on Monday. The game came out on Tuesday. I got I installed the game around 6 or 7 p.m. on Monday night. I played it for about four to five hours on Monday night. Tuesday, I got home from work, and I played it for about three to four hours. Uh, Wednesday, I got home from work. I think I played it for like one hour, maybe two hours. Um, Friday, I got home, and I played it for about three to four hours, and I finished it. And I mean, if that, if my urgency to play that much that quickly doesn't tell you that I think well of this game or that I wanted to go back to play it, I'm not really sure what will, but let me set the scene for what Control is. So Control is a game where you play as a a woman named Jessie Faden, F-A-D-E-N, um, I don't know if that's supposed to be... Because, like, Remedy has this dumb thing where they always, like, do, like, plays on words with people's names, like Alan Wake and Max Payne. Um, So I don't know if Jesse Faden, if it's supposed to be, like, Faden, like, fading, but it's not called... Like, I don't know. I I can't... I wish they would either get... Choose one path or the other and give everybody a silly name or give nobody silly names because they've been doing both lately and it's really been throwing me a little bit. Um, But you play as Jesse Faden... She reports to this building, this giant skyscraper in New York, which is called the Federal Bureau of Control. And she goes inside. She's led there by some, I don't want to call it a vision, but she's just kind of like drawn to this building. And she goes in and basically, I don't even know how to describe this game. Like basically she finds out that she's been drawn to it for a reason. And she goes to like the CEO or the director's office facing like no resistance upon entry to the building. As a matter of fact, the building is pretty much deserted when she gets there. And she finds out at the very beginning of the game that the director has passed away and there's a gun next to the director's body in his office. And she picks up the gun and suddenly is sort of like thrust into this strange world where this building that she's in doesn't quite adhere to the laws of reality the laws of time and space the laws of physics like there's some like most uh remedy games there's some like kind of weird supernatural thing going on here perhaps science fiction uh maybe where there's some kind of like enemy host thing that has been unleashed in this building it's somehow sequestered to the building but it's been unleashed in the building and there's no like I mean, the, you go to one floor and the ceilings are, like, 10 stories high. You go to a different floor and everything is small. Like, there, there's no, like, laws here that's, like, keeping the physicality of the world intact, which I think is amazing um, because you never quite know what you're going to get whenever you're going into different areas of the game. But the more interesting thing, and this is something I heard tossed around and reviews started going out for the game, is that that I didn't know about beforehand, is that... This game has a very heavy sort of like Metroidvania-like 
exploration path to it where um, there's sort of like a central area and there's like an elevator that takes you to different floors. So you'll be revisiting some of the same areas over and over again. There is a fast travel system and you kind of, there's like a key card system where you'll get different key cards over the course of the game and it'll let you come back to areas that you were in originally and kind of like access new and different areas from those. So there's a lot of value in exploration and in backtracking, but not backtracking in a way where the game is like, hey, we're going to make you spend 45 minutes like running across this map to go back to the other room because it does have a good fast travel system. But there's a nice, like, it kind of reminds me of Batman Arkham Asylum too because that was like Metroid done in 3D really well and it has sort of the same like layout as that game does where you're kind of revisiting a lot of the same spaces but maybe finding new stuff or new unlocks in the new spaces. Um, but the meat of it is exploration. You're exploring this strange FBC building and it's a lot of third-person combat. There's a lot of exploration, um, not very much platforming, although there is a jump button and a climbing mechanic. Um, but it's a lot of third-person shooting. She has a gun, and over the course of time, she develops different sort of, like, powers, I guess you could say. Um, one of the first ones she gets is, like, a telekinesis-type power where she can basically lift any item in the environment and, like, ha keep it hovered in the air for as long as you're holding R1. And then whenever you release R1, she, like, throws it toward whatever enemy it locks onto. So there's, like, a good double whammy of, like, having a gun and then having these cool, like, powers that she can use. And the gun does not require bullets, so there's not ammo pickups, but it does recharge. It's a lot—it's very similar to, like, the first Mass Effect where you can run through your clip, but you have to wait for the gun to recharge in order for the clip to fill up. So it has a nice balance between, like, you shoot the gun until maybe you're low on ammo or maybe you're depleted of ammo— and then you like use your other powers while you're waiting for your gun to recharge. And then you use the gun while you're waiting for your powers to recharge. And it's got a nice balance between those. But the bulk of the game is exploring this building and sort of engaging in these one-off like enemy encounters that feature maybe one enemy, maybe like 20 enemies or something at a time, kind of using these action mechanics in order to progress through the game. Um, I realized that was a very, very long prologue to how the game was, but did I leave anything out? Did I forget to mention anything, or did I go too far in describing that, Brad? No, no, I think you're good. I think you're probably good right there, though, because I'm like, every time you started describing something, I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, don't say it, don't say it. Don't, I, like, I, I, try, like, I tried to be vague enough. You did, you did. You did a good job. You were just vague enough, and you just you crept up to the edge of some things, and you pulled back. So I'm like, okay, good. Because I was, like, holding my, my tongue there. But, no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> and I was, like, on. I kept waiting for you to interrupt me because I was wondering if I was going to go too far. But um, uh, I, I'm trying to do the game spoiler-free justice here. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I don't think you spoil anything. The, everything you described is, like, the first, like, hour of gameplay. So I think, yeah, you're, you think yeah. you're okay. So, yeah, go on, go on. Um, so, okay, so basically, um, like, I, I mean, like... I don't want to say spoiler because I'm not going to spoil the game, but spoiler alert on my feelings. Um, I really like this game. I was very, very pleasantly surprised with how well it played um, as far as the combat and the exploration. Because, like, one thing about, like, Alan Wake that really bothered me was all of the enemy encounters felt exactly the same. And the game, and I even talked about this whenever we talked about Double May Cry 5 last week, and I didn't mean for these uh, games to butt up against each other, but something that I talked about last week was something that really bothered me in Alan Wake was whenever anytime you would be like exploring this like spooky forest area and then an enemy encounter would happen the game would like wrestle the camera away from you and like slow-mo like zoom in on whatever enemy was about to come attack you and like it really bothered me because I wanted the game 
to let itself breathe. And I wanted the game to let itself have atmosphere. And I wanted the game to surprise me and scare me because that's what I thought I was getting into whenever I played it. And something that I find really impressive about Control, and maybe this is like a pun on the game's title or something, is that like it, they they do offer a lot of restraint in whenever you get into any combat scenario. The game is not like, hey, player, we're in a combat area now. Here, combat, combat. It's just like the enemies show up and you fight and then you get out. There's no cutscene to get you into the combat. There's no cutscene to take you out of the combat. Like most of the time, everything is happening in the game, which I really, really appreciate. Um, they showed a lot of restraint there. And something that is refreshing for me coming off of Quantum Break, because Quantum Break came out, I don't know, like four years ago or something, is that the game feels like what Quantum Break was trying to do as far as the action goes, because these two games actually have very similar premises. They both involve a hero that's sort of like, like perhaps maybe like a chosen one type hero, where maybe they possess some kind of like, I don't know, power or ideation that sort of like lets them skirt around these weird like science fiction anomalies that are happening in the universe um both the games kind of have that thing going on but something that i disliked about quantum break is that first of all it did kind of the same cutscene thing that alan wake did and second of all like it gave you these like weird time powers but like i never felt like i needed to use them like the shooting was enough and the shooting was fine it wasn't stellar but i was like okay why do i have these like 15 time ability powers over here like because i don't really care about them and i don't feel like i ever need to use them i can just like cover shoot just as fine and get through the game whereas the powers and the gunplay and control really balance each other really well and i think it's nice because they they distilled everything down into really simple mechanics. Like you're either running around or you're shooting something or you're like throwing these telekinesis items at something. And there are some other powers that come along later, which I'm not really going to get into right now um, for sake of spoilers. But like, it's just like, it's very well distilled into like, just like easy but effective combat. And the closest thing I can relate this to is that whenever I was playing this, it gave me the very same like fast intense um sort of like flying by the seat of your pants but in the best way possible combat feeling that um that mass effect 3 gave me specifically mass effect 3 while playing as a biotic enhanced character because in that game you're shooting your guns and you're like constantly ducking behind cover and rolling out and running around and maybe you're using a melee move and you're like throwing your biotic orbs around the battlefield and it's just very fast it's really intense the sound effects um, really drive home everything that's happening in the game. And you always feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants, but you always feel like you're just in control enough to make it through every combat scenario. And that's the exact same feeling that I get with control. And I mean all of that in the best way possible, because a lot of control is like that, where you're in these action scenarios, you're kind of like, and it's not a cover shooter. I want to make that very clear. Control is you hauling ass it's very like, like kind of like doom 2016 like you're just like hauling ass around these like combat ar arenas you're you have a melee attack you have the guns you have like the telekinesis attack and you're just like barely in control enough but it's so intense that like the, you know the enemies are shooting at you some of the enemies have these like rocket launchers and i swear to god there's an algorithm in the game that makes the rockets fly like two inches away from your face every time they shoot them and every time like a rocket would fly by me i would scream like shit or oh my god or god damn it or something like like i would go into these combat scenarios like 
with like my armpits sweating and come out of them and just be like, you know, have to catch my breath for a minute. And it's been a really long time since I've played a game whose combat mechanics have made me feel that invigorated and that tense and that sweaty. And it also got to a point where I really welcomed the combat because a lot of the combat scenarios are similar, but I would get to a point and I love this feeling. I adore this feeling where every time I would like walk into an area and I saw like an enemy spawn in, or I got the feeling that like, you know, the enemies were about to come after me. I would just like, you know, it would be almost a moment where I would like crack my knuckles and be like, all right, motherfuckers, let's do this. Like, let's fight. And I, I rarely feel like that in a game, like where I just want to go head on and be like, all right, you sons of bitches, like, let's do it. I'm going to fuck you up. And that's how this game makes me feel. And I love that about it because it captures that balance and combat so effectively that like gets my adrenaline pumping that it's not too hard. It's not too easy. I mean, there are some difficulty spikes here and there, but it just hits that sweet spot for most of the game where I just was thrilled every time the combat happens. But on the flip side, the game is not all combat. There's plenty of times where the game lets itself breathe, where you're just exploring these really interesting, like, dystopian sort of steel and concrete like sort of like 1950s style office buildings, like the visual design of the office setting is really interesting. And the game gives plenty of time for you to just like explore these areas without enemies popping out from every corner all the time. I was particularly impressed with that where the game really lets you explore when it's when it wants you to explore. And then whenever it's ready for combat, it puts the pedal to the metal and it forces you into these incredible combat scenarios. But it's often in games where I just want to look around at stuff, but the game is like, all right, enemies, 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 guns, guns, guns. And this game really like compartmentalizes its exploration moments really well to balance with the combat moments. And I cannot believe I am speaking this highly of a remedy game after the last two of them that I've played. Like I love this game and I think it hits such a great balance with combat and exploration and the combat itself is so well balanced. And I'm hoping Brad that after my long preamble about how much <laughs> I'm enjoying this game, that you're going to mirror those feelings. I hope. See, this is why I like doing the podcast with you, dude, because uh, okay, spoilers. I think this game's awesome. I think it's really, really good. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's so far. Granted, I've only played like two or three hours, but I can already say I like it better than any game Remedy has ever made before. Like even just on these couple hours, it's it's already them firing on cylinders that they didn't even know they had before. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know who they hired. I don't know what changed. I this feels like. Nothing that Remedy could have done before. I, I don't know what happened, but they have their head in a different place now. And it is an entirely better place than it's ever been. Um, and the reason I love doing this podcast with you is because you focus so much on the combat and you were describing the combat in ways that make total sense. And I totally get what you're saying, except I wouldn't have led with the combat because I actually like the walking around and exploration parts. And so while I usually end up being like the, the action guy sometimes and usually like the walking sim guy, I feel like with this particular game, we're kind of flipped because yeah. you're digging into the combat and I'm like, yeah, the combat's good. But like, <laughs> I actually like just the walking around and the exploring part. Uh, so, I mean, I, I agree with you. The pace. OK, so like, let me back it up a little bit. What I like about this game, the thing the thing that got this game on my good side initially is that they have done 
an incredibly masterful job of setting up the world, setting up the world, setting up the character, uh, setting up the situation, the context, everything that's happening. And this is a very fantastical game. It's very abstract. Um, in some ways, there's a lot of dream logic. In some ways, and they even call it out in the game as well. They call it right out and just say, oh, you have to you have to know dream logic to do these things. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Elder Gods kind of flavor to it. They don't name Elder Gods. I don't even know if that's even a part of it. But being the, the Cthulhu fan that I am and being familiar with those works, there's a lot of that flavor of like alienness, otherness, um, you know, really things that do not cohere to the human experience and then a human like witnessing those things and like what would that mean? Um, the shape of the building, they call the building the oldest house. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what they call it. What a fucking cool name that is, and what a what a cool building. I love this building. Um, I usually can't stand it when things change or when you get lost or when, you know, when when you have a kind of... When, like, navigating the game like this in a confusing dream logic way is part of the game. I usually hate it, but I actually love it here because they have taken enough time to establish the world. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, the writers really fucking took the time to think about who is our main character. What is she bringing to the table? How would she react when she got to this building? What is this building? This building's fucking weird. How would anybody <laughs> react when they got here? What are the rules that govern this building? Well, you're going to have to find that out when you get here. Clearly, things are not like your normal office building, but they do such a good job of like layering things in and making it all make sense. And every time I had a question in my mind about something, they kind of addressed it in, in a way or two. So I feel like that really paid off because... That warmed me up to a number of mechanics and a number of aspects of this game that I think ordinarily would have turned me off, but because they took the time to like walk me into it slowly, to set it up properly, and to explain to me as the gamer what they were doing, I think it all came together really brilliantly. And I do agree with you 100% about the pacing. The pacing is great, and that absolutely sells the game on a whole other level because it's absolutely not just combat. I mean, I think that's one problem that Remedy games have traditionally suffered from, too much fucking gunplay, too much fucking combat. And in this game, you have clear areas where you are just chilling. You're just exploring the building. You're just talking to people. Like, there's people to talk to. Like, how crazy is that in a Remedy game? That's crazy. You know, like, it doesn't come up that often. And so you you have time to, like, explore things. When you get done with the combat scenario, you can look around. There's always something interesting to look at. And another thing that's really interesting for me in this game is that I got the advice um, before I started to read all of the documents and you know me dude I fucking hate reading documents I hate reading files I hate doing that shit listening to audio tapes oh my god kill me dude I'd rather do anything than listen to a fucking audio tape but because the developers took the time to make it make sense it would make sense for my character to want to read these things it would make sense for my character to find that audio tape and listen to it um Again, not going to spoil anything, but it makes sense in the context of the world. And because it makes sense in the context of the world, I find myself doing things that I ordinarily would not do because I want to, like, get into the game and play my character the way she needs to be played. And I want to be true to who I perceive her to be. And she would do these things. Um, again, not going to spoil it. So I love that they do that. And I love that they took that time to set that up. More developers need to do that. More developers need to... Think about motivations, think about their world, think about what they're designing and why, and then get rid of things that don't fit. And so far, haven't finished the game, but so far, Remedy has done, like, a mind-blowingly good job of doing that. And I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned because I really didn't think much of them as a developer before this game, dude, honestly. Like, I, I kind of sort of liked Alan Wake. 
not all the way, but I kind of liked it. And I thought the rest of the games were trash. I really didn't like them. <laughs> and this game is just like grabbing me on a whole other level, like really, really, really surprising. Um, I think the combat is great. It's difficult. I mean, I mean, it's not super hard, but I've died a bunch, so it's not like a breeze. But I don't get mad at it, and I feel like I can do better. And so it's done a good job of like leading, leading me along that way. I will say one complaint, though, is the save system can fuck itself. I really oh, my don't God. Like... Oh, my God. The checkpoint system is so bad. Yeah. I re- so so there's, there's certain checkpoints in the building that you're in where you have to activate the checkpoint. And whenever you die, you respawn at the nearest checkpoint. But it usually just means you walk into an encounter. Maybe you weren't ready for it, or maybe you got surprised or something. You die. You go back to the checkpoint and you got to run through the hallways to get back to where you were to do the battle again. And sometimes you die. I've died. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've died three and four and five times at a battle so far. Oh, yeah, and me too. Doing doing the run back to the battle is the biggest it's fucking terrible. drag, dude. It's, it's so like, terrible. I mean, maybe there's a story justification for it later on. I don't know if there is. I hope there is, because if there isn't, why in the world would you pick this fucking checkpoint system? It's the worst checkpoint system. It's so bad. Um, but that's really the only fuck up thing that I really don't like about the game so far. Otherwise, I like how they handle the upgrades. I like how they handle you getting new powers. Again, not going to spoil any of this. I think they've really considered how it all fits together. Um, and I'm just I just find myself not calling bullshit on any of it. I find myself really drawn into it and wanting to participate in the systems where ordinarily I would like. You know, I wouldn't be able to get past that suspension of disbelief. But in this one, I feel like it all just fits together so well. Um, I really like this game a lot so far. Um, Like I said, only two, three hours in. But man, I've been trying to play it as much as possible. And I'm really looking forward to playing it more tonight. I just, I'm really, really into it, man. I really like it. Okay, so here, okay, so let's, I want to dive a little bit. Because here's another thing where you and I both differ on this. Which I think is really fascinating. Because it seems like you... God damn it, what is it about the show? Like, you and I are just, like, approaching this game two different ways. We're both loving it, but... And yet we still like it. Isn't yeah, that weird? Yeah. Yes, amazing. So, <laughs> so the thing for me, and usually, I mean, we all know I'm, like, the guy who loves Deus Ex. I love looking through people's shit simulators. Like, that's totally my bag. But with this game... Okay, here... <laughs> with this game, I think the dialogue is horrible, and picking up 50 goddamn readable documents in every room you walk in, that can fuck off. I do not have time. <laughs> I'm not reading. I know that you should, and I, I all the things you just said, I totally understand. It. Like, she would want to read this stuff. She would want to listen to these whatever, these audio clues or whatever. I... I do not I, I do not have time for this. I don't have time. And Quantum Break did the same thing, and it pissed me off whenever that game did it, where the game wanted to be like an action game that was really moving and grooving and getting you into fights and whatever. And then every other room you walked into would have like three documents in it that it wanted you to read. And I'm like, dude, you cannot have it both ways. Like, you can't have a game that's like really action-packed and then have me like in these rooms that are basically just like rooms to exist to fill out your story because you're too lazy to write a good story efficiently and i feel similarly about um about control because i love everything the game is doing i love the gameplay i love the exploration i love the combat but when it comes to the story itself i really really don't care about anything that's going on like i don't care about the main character i don't care about the first like woman that she meets in the boardroom who's kind of like her first point of contact in the game uh everything that they talk about it just it seems like to me it seems like instead of the game 
being this really well thought out universe, sort of like maybe like in like the Matrix sense where like they had like all of the T's crossed and all of the I's dotted before like the movie was even produced for Control. And I felt similarly about both Alan Wake and Quantum Break. So really my beef is with Sam Lake here who writes all their games. Um, I, I feel like Control, much like I felt about Alan Wake and Quantum Break, that instead of it being like a really well-realized story, Sam Lake is just kind of making things up as he goes. And I don't, I've played a lot of games like this. I've watched movies like this. I've read books like this where uh, like to me, and you might disagree and that's totally okay or whatever, but like, I don't care about anything that's going on in the game. I don't care about her. I don't care about the story. I don't really, and maybe it's because I don't need them to like, like justify everything that's going on in the game. Like I understand the story threads. I understand some of the stuff that's going on. I mean, it's totally one of those games where it introduces the character and you know that the lead character has like a spooky past and like, you know, it's going to come out later in the game. And it's just like that stuff. I don't really care about because this is like, this is a gamer's game. Like it has, you get like upgrades for yourself and upgrades for your weapon like all the time. And there's like a, there's like a point system to upgrade your skills. And it's like super video gamey in that sense. And like that is really at odds to me with the game trying to like justify the stuff that's going on. And it also falls heavily under the like Metal Gear Solid problem of the game like... Like, like the game having, like, too much dialogue. There's too much writing. There's too much dialogue. The same thing with Uncharted. The same thing with Metal Gear. Where, like, the people who write the game, they think that because they have more writing, then it's better. But I'm more on the side of, like, if they were more concise with what they were trying to explain and if they didn't lean on these really bad, like, sci-fi tropes. Because, and part of it is because I played Quantum Break and there's a lot of weird um, parallels between the two games where, like... There's some weird rift going on in the universe, but oh, every character that you're around wears these magical vests that like don't let them experience whatever's going on. And the exact same thing happened in Quantum Break where it was like, this time rift is happening, but oh, we have these magic time vests. Oh, we can uh, get out of the time rift. And it's just like this stupid shit that I don't care about. And I just think it's like a lot of bullshit. And like the game has too much writing. The characters say too much stuff. And like, it's not... I don't, I don't, I just don't really care. Like every time a cutscene, a cutscene would happen, I found myself tuning out from what was going on. I didn't care what the characters were talking about. The lead character, Jesse, has a ton of like internal dialogue moments where like mid conversation with somebody, the game always does this thing where it like zooms in really close on Jesse's eyeballs. And that's like when she does her internal dialogue. And I'm like, how, like, elementary and pedestrian can we get here? Like, she's doing her internal dialogue, and the game is zoomed in on her eyeballs. Like, did, like, a 10-year-old who just took their first, like, narrative writing class, like, design the cutscenes for this game? Like, that's very much the the, the way that I'm feeling the story coming together. And I'm, I'm pretty dissatisfied with all of the writing, all the characterization... Just, like, all of that going on, and I don't have time to, like, read all the books. Because there's so many goddamn files in the game, I would spend twice as long playing the game if I stopped and read everything that was going on. And I like exploring the world, and I like seeing the world, but I don't like, especially for a game that has so much dialogue, having so much supplemental text in the world because the dialogue that they're writing in their bad cutscenes isn't good enough to tell me the story of what's going on in the game. 
And that's just like kind of a big sticking point in this game for me is that I love everything it's doing, but all the story, all the characterization, all the dialogue, I just don't care about any of it. Just put me in your world, let me explore it, and and that's all I need. I don't need this stupid like mumbo jumbo sci-fi story that's feels like it's being written as the game is progressing. Like just give me the game and that's it because the game is exceptional. The story not so much for me. That is hilarious because we're totally coming at it from like totally opposite <laughs> opposite ends. Um, because I mean, you know, maybe it's just my Cthulhu side or whatever, but I really appreciate how they are uh, approaching all that stuff. I mean, I, the way that they explain like the the story bits and and also the fact that they are taking the time to explain it. I know it may seem elementary to you, and maybe other people will agree. I've had a, a lot of other people say they didn't care for the story either. But I, I think that there's something to be said for a story that is able to be told clearly, especially when there's a lot of like really confusing, heady kind of stuff going on. And I feel like there's multiple layers that they're trying to work into the story. Um, again, not going to spoil it here, but I, I just really liked, I mean, I like the building. I like being in the building. I like exploring the building and I like the character, f- how she would be in the building. Like it all comes together very cool and like kind of like an X-Files Lovecraft sort of way and so like that part is what I think really sells me really hard if it was if it was just the combat I'd be like okay this combat's fine but that wouldn't be enough to keep me into it and I would have bailed on it by now so like the story and um I don't want to say the character exactly because I don't really feel too much for the main character but I appreciate her as as a character who's like exploring this world like I don't really like like her as a character like I probably wouldn't buy a shirt with her on it or anything <laughs> but like I, I appreciate what she's doing in, in her efforts to like unravel this mystery of what's going on and to kind of figure out what's going on in this building I mean basically I mean not to spoil anything but she has been wanting to find the Bureau of Control for a long time and so now that she's finally there it would make a lot of sense to me that she would be like, yes, I want to explore every corner of this building because I've been wanting to get here for a long time and I want to read these documents because I need more information. And so that part of it is really selling pretty well to me. Um, yeah, I mean, this isn't like Hemingway or anything. It's not going to win like a writer's <laughs> award, but it's doing what it needs to do and it's doing it efficiently. And it's also kind of like the frosting on top of the cake. And to me, the cake is not the combat, but is it is the weirdness and the setting of the world. Like I really like, I mean, and the combat's good. Like I'm not dissing the combat at all. I mean, I, th- I, I think it's good, but that's not the draw. Like I like being this strange building that shifts and the dream logic that happens and her being lost in this strange building and trying to figure things out and meeting these strange characters. It's got like a twin peaks, X files, like Lovecraft sort of a thing. And I love like all those things. And so it's really hitting like all those notes for me in a way that remedy has really failed to hit before. So I don't know if they hired a new writer or maybe they got a new editor or something. Um, and I, I am very familiar with Sam Lake's bullshit. So and ordinarily, <laughs> I wouldn't say that he was a good writer, but I don't know if he's got some assists this time around. But he's just really he's really popping this time. I really like what's going on here. And I uh, I just love the feeling of being in this building, having the quiet moments to explore, having the intense combat, but then stepping away from it and just being in the space and kind of acknowledging like the connection between the human world and then these other things that are happening. Um, I just, it's just really nice. Like I really, I really like the way it feels. I really feel um, that the, the Metroidvania ish elements are coming together pretty well. Uh, That is really working for me where ordinarily it probably wouldn't work for me. So it's just kind of like this weird random home run from remedy where I was ready to think (laughs) this game was trash. And it's instead it's just, it's popping, it's popping in all the right places. So I really, really like it a lot and I'm very anxious to get back to it because I want to put some more time into it tonight. 
Um, but yeah, I'm digging it, man. I'm really digging it. I also like how they handle like the side missions. I really like how they handle um, a lot of the other little aspects, which I'm not going to talk about now. But like all the little details, I feel like they took extra care in making sure that it all made sense. And I will say that reading the documents, again, something I normally fucking hate doing, hate listening to audio tapes, hate reading documents in this particular game. It not only makes sense with the character, but it is actually filling in a lot of the world and answering a lot of the questions about what's happening. So I do feel like it is worthwhile. Um, I don't know that I would recommend it to everybody. And if you don't like doing it, then maybe don't, but uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I like it. And uh, even though we are both approaching this game from very different angles, I think we both really like it a lot. Yeah, I do really like it a lot, obviously. Um, I'm excited for you to finish it so we can do like a spoiler cast on it. Um, Cause I want to deep dive on some stuff that we can't necessarily deep dive on right now. Um, but I do, I do really like this game. It ha- it does have some faults. The checkpoint system, which we talked about, is like it's garbage. fucking it's garbage. terrible. It's, yeah, it's so garbage. bad. Um, but uh, and like the story for me is not really doing it. But just like the gameplay, the setting, this like weird fantastical building that you're in is really wonderful. Another like small detail that I literally have heard nobody mention, and I tweeted about it the other day, and I thought that like maybe like it would get some attention, and it got absolutely zero attention. Is um, the person who did the score for this game, all the music, is Martin Stig Anderson, who did the music for Inside, uh, Play Dead's last game, and for Limbo. And in a way, this game, it, it like sometimes when I'm playing Control, I feel like the team at um, at Remedy, they all like played Inside, and they were like, they just kind of thought like they they went to their next board meeting, and they were like, okay, let's do inside but as a third person shooter and like that's kind of what it feels yeah, like sometimes yeah. to me yeah, and i, I mean that in a really good way because like the world feels similar it's like vague and it's very like concrete and metal and like the sound design i mean obviously because the same person did the music it really lends itself to it so like if you played inside and liked it and somehow thought hmm i wonder what this would feel like translated into a metroidvania action game well remedy is here because this is pretty much what it is in the weirdest but also the best way that is very accurate i think i mean that sense of like unraveling the mysterious trying to figure out this larger conspiracy larger forces at work that you only understand a part of and kind of being lost in this giant like enigmatic machine is is very much what i'm getting from control and i think it's very well done here um i also want to call out the level design, I think, is actually the best Remedy's ever done, like by a large margin, like really large margin, because you're inside this building. And I think it's really cool to just be let loose in this building. So it's kind of like an open world game, but inside of one building. And what's really neat about it is that it seems like it's going to be really labyrinthine and hard to get around, but they do a pretty good map. Um, it could be better, but it's pretty good. But the thing that I like and I think that is really nuanced about this is that when you get into a new section, the sections have names. So it'll be like... Uh, you know, executive offices, and here's mm, the, And can we the, talk about how the graphic design of the names popping up on the screen is pretty so cool. delicious. It's pretty so cool. good. It's pretty cool. But when you get... <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed, for sure. Um, but when you get into one of these sections, there's often stairs and there's some verticality to it, and so you're thinking, fuck, there's going to be, like, all these levels that I'm going to be so lost. Actually, not the case, because they have done a very good job of segmenting each area, so it feels like a big complex that you're going to get lost in, but it's actually much more of a flat design than it first appears. And the verticality is there to make you feel like you're exploring a much larger area than you are. But when you finally get around to all the corners, 
you, you realize pretty quickly that the verticality only goes so far and that there's only a certain number of rooms. And so it begins to feel like large and there's stuff to find and explore. And there is, but there's also, it's not overwhelming and it's not too confusing once you figure out how it works. And so once you're in one section, you can pretty thoroughly explore a section and cover that like on all the multiple levels, like first, second, third floor, whatever. But you don't feel like you're getting lost. You know how to get back to where you're going to. And the way that they've compartmentalized that aspect of making it feel big and yet not too big at the same time, very difficult trick to pull off. And it's a very wonderful, like little bit of sleight of hand where what they're doing is actually very smart and very sophisticated. And I really appreciate how they pulled it off. So I like the level design quite a bit. I love the building. I love walking around this open world inside of a building and just kind of like doing it. And I'm very excited to get a couple of the other powers, which people spoiled for me. I'm not going to talk about them here, but I'm looking forward to getting some of those things and then going back and exploring some areas that I, uh, that I passed up earlier. So, um, a lot of really smart stuff going on here. And like, I mean, I'm sorry to be like that bitch, but like remedy just has never shown this side of themselves before. So I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe a little bit here and there, but like, boy, they just like, are like really just like bringing all these elements together in a smart way that I appreciate that. I, I, I look at it as an editor, as someone who has reviewed like, you know, well, I mean, I don't even like more than a thousand games, you know, like so many games played so many games. And I'm looking at this like, man, it's a fucking really well made fucking game. Like these guys really <laughs> thought it through. Like I'm appreciating the details, appreciating the craft, appreciating the decisions. And it's just really smart. Like I'm playing this and I'm like, man, like my, I, I, I didn't see this in you guys before, but I'm seeing it now. And I just, as someone who picks games apart, um, and has done for years, like, I'm just really liking how they fit these things together. So I really like control. Um, I have to ask you one question though, Corey, and just to be clear, I really like it. Um, but one thing that people have consistently told me, and I don't spoil this, but I'm going to ask you real quickly. I have had, ironically, multiple people who don't know each other, tell me that the ending of this game is, and I quote, a big wet fart. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true. I'm hoping it's not true. Now, don't spoil the ending, but did you find that to be true about this ending, or did you like how it wrapped up? Um, uh, oh, my God. Um, Just real simple. You liked it or you didn't like it? What did you, what, how'd you fall on it? I uh, did not like it. Did not like it. Okay, no. so another... Another check mark for the big wet fart column, apparently. Um, I find it weird that people keep using that phrase to describe it. I would never use that phrase to describe it. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I find that phrase to be really repulsive, but I thought it was interesting that that seemed to be the common denominator between everybody. So, okay, let's leave it there. Let's not talk about it. I'm sure we will do a deep dive. There's going to be a lot to talk about once we have a spoiler warning up and can talk about the powers and can talk about the storyline, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but so far, I'm feeling like this game is a big win. How are you feeling on it? Oh, I mean, yeah, I've already finished it. And I'm obviously have said, I mean, when we do a spoiler episode in the future, I will feel more comfortable deep diving on obviously all of it, but maybe talking about some of the stuff that I didn't like as much, but know that just because I've said good things about it on the show, that doesn't mean that I'm like, in the next episode, I'm going to be like, oh, here's 50 things I fucking hated about this game, because that's not what's going to happen. I do... Uh, really like this game. Obviously, I spoke very highly of it, uh, you know, at the start of the show. But I, I do really, really, really want to deep dive on some stuff with you in the future. But I give it, like, one and a half thumbs up. Like, I think it's very, very good. Um, surprising breath of fresh air from Remedy. Agreed. I really like it so far. I'm, like I said, only two, three hours in. 
I reserve final judgment, um, but I love what I've seen so far. If it stays this strong throughout the whole thing, I mean, it's definitely going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year, unless it takes a weird left turn somewhere. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, quick question. How long did it take you to finish it, roughly, hour, hours-wise? Um, I think it was about 11. Okay. Okay. That's that's right in the ballpark. I'm thinking for a game like this, between 8 and 12 hours is where it should be, so that falls about where it should be. So, okay, that sounds good. Um, cause I like it, but I don't know that I want 30 hours of it. So 12 hours <laughs> is much better. So, okay, let's put a pin in it. We'll come back to it when we finished. I'll try to finish it ASAP and then we can talk about it. We'll do a spoiler section, but for now it's a win for me. It's a win for you. And I think that we are ending the show on a high note. I think so. We've kind of had a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions for games on the show, but we're both going out strong with a game that we like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring it on home, sir. All right, well, with Control down, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Remember, you can stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter because we do have banter again tonight. I know we've been wishy-washy on banter for about a month, but it's back tonight. Um, But if you want to bail and you don't care about the banter, that's totally fine. Um, You can just come back next week for the games chat if you wish. Um, And remember, you can always get in touch with us. You can send us any comments, any thoughts, any feedback, any games you're interested in us playing or anything like that. Uh, you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. Uh, the first way is to send us an email. Our email address for the show is simply sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, you can also post comments on the Game Critic site for us whenever the show goes up over there. There is a comment section underneath every show on the Game Critic site. We are on Twitter as a collective show. Our Twitter handle is at sovideogames over there. And last but not least, and probably the best way to reach us, is just to get in touch with us individually on social media. Brad, would you like to give out your handles? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. Excellent. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handles are also my first and last name. Uh, It's Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that is the end of the show. Brad, do you have anything else to add before we sign off? No, that's it. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm glad to have you bored and uh, looking forward to uh, doing it again next week. Indeed, me too. But that brings us to the end of episode 146. We'll be back with episode 147 next week. But until then, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time. week dude this week this day these last couple days it's been kind of crazy how was your how was your gay parade um it was it was good it was really hot um it's uh i went out last night and then which was totally great and i didn't really like because southern decadence is happening right now which is like gay shit 101 in new orleans and i go every year and um last night i went out with some of my parkour friends and we didn't actually do any like gay stuff this might sound like a weird thing to say um but uh we just kind of went to like a few bars and didn't really go anywhere like particularly like um you know like like thongs and packages in your face like dancing on the bar that kind of stuff oh dear oh dear 
<laughs> we just went to some pretty low-key places. Um, <laughs> Instead of T and A, is it like T and P, thongs and packages? Uh, I mean, I well, there's like an A. It's like P and A, I guess. Really, T A is it T A T and A and P? I don't know. There must be <laughs> there must be a cute little acronym you could do for that that would differentiate it between ladies on the bar and men on the bar. <laughs> I mean, perhaps, but uh, yeah, we didn't really do anything super exciting. We just kind of went to a few bars and. Um, and that was it. But it was still a good time. And then today I went to a parade and uh, with Patrick and, um, and it was pretty good. I mean, it was just like, you know, your kind of typical New Orleans like parade, although, you know, a lot more skin showing perhaps even though it was the middle of the day. Um, a lot of dudes in like leather harnesses and um, underwear like with their asses out and like a lot of like pup masks and stuff like that. Um, but nothing like, you know, super out of line, just pretty par for the course for gay stuff in New Orleans. But it was good, except for the part where it was, like, so humid outside, you felt like you were just, like, walking into, like, a wall of fog, but, like, sweaty fog, like, as soon as you walked out the door. And then it was hot, and I was, like, sweating. Like, my back was sweaty, and it was gross. But all was well. Sweaty fog. Uh, <laughs> my son and I do this thing where... We'll just, like, make little words up. Like, we'll make little portmanteaus throughout the day just for fun. Because I want him to have, like, the same kind of, like, love of playing with language that I do. He's not an editor, of course. I don't think that he will <laughs> will fall in love with words the way that I have. Which is totally fine. To each his own. And that's all good. But I do want him to have fun with it. And I want him to understand that language is malleable. And language is just what you make of it, regardless of what people try to tell you. And so throughout the day, we will often do these little mashups um and just kind of make ourselves giggle and stuff and so you were you were saying like sweaty fog and i'm like oh so you walked into like a wall of sog like that would be yeah. kind of what we would do you know <laughs> something like that or we would flip it around and we would say if it's fog sweat would it be fat or would it be sog i don't know which one it would be but <laughs> neither of those sound good so <laughs> yeah well it felt i mean sog might be better because it felt incredibly soggy out but just like wetness hanging in the air soggy it was just like i don't know i felt like i needed some oars just to like walk through to like wade through all the thickness in the air um but uh yeah, it so not, maybe sog it does not bit. sound good yeah that sounds terrible that yeah sounds terrible. it's just i mean the nice thing for me though at least is that i've i grew up um in humidity because i grew up in the midwest where it was really humid and then i moved to the south where it was equally as humid so it's not like i went from living in like Arizona dry heat to suddenly moving to like the swampy south because I feel like I would have just never survived if that had been the case. Oh man, yeah. Speaking of which, we just got back from uh, Los Angeles and oh my god, it was just like hellish down there. And it wasn't even hot for LA. Like it was just, you know, Seattle is like really mild and I mean it can be humid sometimes, but you know most of the time it's pretty comfortable and it's just never I mean you know we don't have air conditioning in a lot of homes so sometimes that can get to be a bit much but like if you go out it's usually you know quite fine but went down to LA and it was just like oh it's like really impressive and like <laughs> it was I don't know if it was really humid so much it's just just really fucking hot and the kind of heat where like you step outside and you start sweating like the moment you step outside mm, and yep. you know you feel the heat when you walk into it and I mean my in-laws god bless them i think they're insane because they um live in palm springs and they drove up and we met them for um lunch uh when we were in la and i was like oh you know how how hot was it down there and they're like oh it was like you know 120 and i'm oh like my oh my god 
What is wrong with you? I'm like, how do you even live down there? And he's like, oh, we just run from air conditioning to air conditioning and stay outside as little as possible. And I'm like, well, what do you live there for? Like, what do you, you could do that anywhere. You don't need to be in Palm Springs to do that. Like, uh, I don't know why any, it's like nature's way of telling you to get the fuck out. Like, why are, why are you still down there? I do not understand. So anyway, anyway, we're back in Seattle now. Very comfortable. It's, it's much better. I mean, warm, but I'm not dying like I was in LA. So yeah, I want to hear about, um, I don't know if you're planning on talking about it on the show, but some of the stuff you were doing while you were in LA. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we went down there because, you know, I'm good friends with uh, Broadway performer Joshua Castile, who is a very young uh, deaf man. Uh, met him doing some theater work here in Seattle. We just really hit it off. We have a real good relationship. Um, consider him to be part of my chosen family. And he was doing a show. He's got a one-man show. He has a two-man show, but the other man was not around, so he's doing a one-man show. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I don't know if... Um, I sent you a link, or, or I told you where to see that link. Did you ever, by chance, look up that link? I did not, because I'm a terrible person. That's okay. We knew this, but that's fine. We'll roll ahead. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, so Josh gets up, and he, despite being deaf, he, can, he still has some usable hearing, and so he loves music. He's a very musical dude. And he loves Broadway, and so he often performs sign language interpretations of Broadway songs, which is really quite something to see. If you haven't seen it, look him up on YouTube. Um, he's got a bunch of videos up on there, and he did, like, I think he's most famous for his interpretation of one of the Hamilton songs. Um, I think Lin-Manuel retweeted that one and kind of got him some spotlight on that. And he's done a few other things. He was also in, like, a bunch of shows on Broadway. So he... Uh, has this one-man show, and he needs an interpreter for that. So so what happens is he gets up on stage, does singing, dancing, comedy, just roll, you know, it's a great time. Um, but he needs an interpreter, and so that is me. And what I do is I sit in the front row with a microphone, and then when he does his bits, like between songs, he'll do some banter, and he'll do some jokes and whatever. And so I will watch him do the sign language, and then I will voice what he's saying. And so that's my role in the show. Um, we are a great fit. I think we have a good time. I think it's a really fun and entertaining thing to do. And I went down there and it was a really, really great show. He killed it. Um, I, I, I mostly killed it. I made one mistake, which I was really beating <laughs> myself up about. But other than that, it was like flawless. So I was really proud, except for my one colossal error. And then it was fine otherwise. But um, really great show. Really fun. Um, Gina's parents came. They loved it. The crowd loved it. We had a lot of uh, like local L.A. people Loved it. There was a couple famous LA people came and they loved it. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really good time. So we went down to LA for that. We were going to eat a bunch of Mexican food. We didn't quite manage that, but we did pig out on like Korean barbecue. And then we went to um, this Chinese place, which makes a kind of chicken that I've never had anywhere else before. It's, you know, you go to a Chinese place and you can usually get the same, same sort of stuff no matter where you go. It's all kind of similar in terms of what they offer to American audiences. Uh, but this place does this kind of like really special chicken, which is fried a certain way. And it just has this strange mouthfeel and the flavor of it's really, really good. So went to that place and it was good. It was just a really fun time. Uh, I love doing the show with Josh. It's really fun. And we had good response. So I think there are a couple of videos up on YouTube or on Instagram of that show. Um, and yeah, it was just, just really, really enjoyable and fun. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. Um, is this... Uh... Did you say that this is the same weekend that you were planning, originally planning to come to Florida, or was that next weekend? So, yeah, it is. So that's really, that's kind of what's been on my mind lately, because <laughs> we got back from L.A., and he had booked himself for a number of gigs around the country, and the very next set of gigs 
were in Florida. Uh, it was oh, actually literally okay. this week. And so, of course, what else is going on this week? That fucking There's hurricane. A hurricane. Yep. Yeah. So we've been going back and forth about what's going on. Um, you know, do we go? Do we not go? Like, what is, you know, is the hurricane going to miss Florida? Is it going to hit Florida? Are, if it misses Florida, are people even still going to come or what's going to happen? So we're still up in the air. I think my vote is to not go, but I don't know quite what we've decided on. But we had like three gigs lined up and that was going to be fun. We were going to do some other stuff while we were down there, kind of make it like a working vacation. Um, but I think it's, I mean, I feel like it's just kind of not going to happen. So we'll see how that goes, um, because I think flying into hurricane zone, especially like a category five is kind of suicidal. So I don't really feel like doing that. Um, but we got some more gigs lined up. He'll be doing Portland. He'll be doing Seattle. He'll be doing, um, a couple other ones. Uh, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be doing some of those. It's, it's good times. It's really good times. I don't want to be a performer. I don't want to be on stage. But I like being behind the scenes, and I like doing that kind of stuff, so it's a pretty good fit for me, and uh, I think we'd make a good team. So if, say, um, like, if you, if he still wanted to go to any location, this doesn't, not just Florida specifically, and you couldn't go, would that, like, jeopardize the whole show, or does he have, like, people on backup that could sub in for what you would be doing? I mean, I, so there's interpreters in all 50 states, and he could go to any show, and he could get... You know, he could get any interpreter he wanted to. Uh, but I think that what makes um, our relationship special is that we just, like, we know each other really well. Like, I can read his mind, basically. <laughs> and he knows that I'm I'm a good enough interpreter. Not, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, toot my own horn or anything. But, like, <laughs> it, it's hard work. Like, it's really hard work. And you have to be really good at it. And this is something that I'm, like, really, really, really good at. So he can, like, do jokes that he knows that I will catch, whereas other interpreters might not catch them. Or he'll know that I can do a certain kind of voice that'll make his joke funny. And he can like <laughs> count on me to do that for him. Whereas another interpreter might not do that. So he could still do the show and his performance would be great. But I think the banter in the middle would suffer or he wouldn't sound as funny or he wouldn't sound as clever as he actually is. If the interpreter that was with him wasn't as familiar with his style, wasn't as familiar with his content. Um, you know, it takes a really good relationship. It's like the deaf person's got to give a certain bit. The interpreter's got to give a certain bit. And if you find a good fit, then that's what really makes it shine. So, I mean, that's why we work together so much on theater here in Seattle. We work together on, I think, three different productions, big time productions here in Seattle. And I've flown down to L.A. a couple times to do stuff that's really important to him down there because we just have a good, good dynamic going. Um, you know, makes him look good, makes me look good. And it's just a good, good team. So he could do it, but I, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same. Of course, it wouldn't be the same because nothing would ever be the same if you were not um, involved with it whenever you usually are. And I did watch some of uh, whenever you I don't think you talked about this on the show because we skipped banter. I think the week that it happened, but you did some interpreting work for Microsoft recently and I was just like scrolling through Twitter and I knew that you were doing it. And I saw like I think it was Mixer or Microsoft or somebody had tweeted like, uh, a tweet that was basically like, oh, just so everybody knows, we have like ASL interpreting on our live stream. And they had a link to it and I clicked on it. And would you believe it that I clicked on it and there you were in the corner of the screen doing <laughs> doing your interpreting. And I believe you had somebody with you who was also, you guys were, I'm guessing, like switching off because one person doing all of it is probably pretty heinous. Um, but it was cool because like seeing you doing it was cool because I know who you are and I podcast with you every week. So it was just neat to see like, I don't know, a different, like, it's like when you know somebody and they have some weird, like, hidden talent, and then you never really get to, like, see it in person, and then you finally see them do it, and it's just, like, you see how professional and how they do their thing sort of in that specialized realm, um, so it's just kind of cool to see that. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you for watching that. I, I did do the Microsoft Gamescom presentation, and I did the Microsoft E3 presentation, so they've been hiring me a bunch this year, which has been working out pretty well, because every time I do the show, I get uh, unlimited bacon, uh, because they have the <laughs> breakfast catered, which is always nice. I always look forward to having as much bacon as I can eat, and I can eat a lot, so I get a lot on those days. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is a lot of work, and it was with... Uh, my uh, partner for those, her name is Mary, and she's a great interpreter. She's not necessarily a video gamer herself, and so I we, we will spend a lot of time before the show, and I'll tell her about what certain words mean or what certain concepts are, and, you know, we kind of go through it like that. But she's a good sport, and she, I think she's going to get herself uh, some games and just kind of play and, like, educate. Because when you're an interpreter, you have to know... The best work is when you know very well the subject that you're interpreting, because then you can add all sorts of nuance, and you can really get to the, the content rather than struggling with just the surface-level stuff. Um, so she's going to work on that. But she's a great sport. I love working with her, and doing the, the Microsoft Microsoft show is... It is a lot of work, and it's kind of um, hairy, because we get the scripts, but you never know if they're going to go off-script, you never know what the guests are going to say, and a lot of times the information is world premiere, and so there's no briefing ahead of time because there's a bunch of NDAs and stuff and so sometimes you're just rolling with it and hoping you'll figure out what they're talking about but it's good times it's good times I get my makeup professionally done by a very lovely woman named Rebecca who does a great job I eat a shitload of bacon and then I do the show and then I come home I mean I can't complain dude I can't complain it's a good it's a good gig Maybe okay. So here's my um, my ultimate fantasy for, and this is as always when you're talking about your lavish lifestyle of like jet setting across the United States to do these like awesome interpreting gigs and stuff. And I always try to just like find a way to weasel myself into those plans. Um, how about this? How about you and Josh become? I mean, obviously he's going to be like touring or something, and you guys can go and do your thing and do like a world tour or whatever he has going on, and then you guys can just hire me to be like the makeup artist for your guys's stuff that you have going on, or I can just somehow like hijack, like do like a hitman hijack of Microsoft and like sedate the makeup artist there and put on her clothes <laughs> i don't know and like just be the makeup artist for the day so that way i can work with you in that way and then we oh can all God. just work together that would be amazing <laughs> if i walked to the makeup room and like rebecca was like tied up in the back and gagged and you're standing there in her dress with like a wig on acting like nothing is wrong that would be so fucking amazing <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Josh is getting married uh, in a little while. His fiance uh, is named Michael. I love Michael so much. He is the sweetest guy. Ah, he's the best guy. I love hanging out with Michael. He's great. Um, but th they might need a photographer. Maybe you could do some oh action God. wedding shots. Uh, that would be pretty amazing, huh? The idea of shooting someone's wedding is like the most loathsome idea I can think of because <laughs> no here. Well, here's the thing. Okay. So I, I mean, I'm obviously like an action photographer, so I'm very good at handling like stuff in the moment. Like that's kind of what I do is like somebody's doing something quickly and I have to be on alert and I have to photograph it. And also my journalism background kind of like leans into that because I'm always just sort of like alert for that kind of stuff. And I've always been kind of a fly on the wall kind of person. So um, you know, me having a camera just, like, really adds to that. You know, not only am I, like, looking and observing, but also I, I have the camera to take pictures and stuff. But my thing about weddings, I've never shot a wedding before, but my thing about weddings is I don't want to be responsible for photographing somebody on what is likely the most important and memorable day of their entire life. I do have some caveats to this, like... 
if I were a photographer working with a team of people, I think that would be okay because it wouldn't just be me being responsible for everything. And also I think I would be really good at doing like, like posed portraits of like the two, you know, the bride and groom or the bride and bride or the groom and groom or what have you, or like the wedding party together. Like, I think I would be all right at doing like, you know, posed portraiture like that and doing kind of like silly, you know, like everybody's jumping in the air, you know, and like doing that kind of stuff. But the idea of photographing like the actual, like, um, like wedding itself and, you know, someone coming down the aisle and the whole situation of everybody at the altar or wherever they're deciding to get married, like just knowing that, it is, they do it one time and that's it. And I only have that one chance to get every shot. It's just that whole idea. There's like nothing scarier in my life. Like, okay, I can go, like what's scarier to you? Do you want to go skydiving or do you want to photograph a wedding? And I'd be like, all right, let's go skydiving right now. Cause like the last thing I want to do is photograph a wedding. So that whole, like, and I know I'd get over it and I'm sure I would do like fine enough if I had to do it. Like if somebody like held a gun to my head and they were like, hey, you were photographing my wedding. Um, but I just, man, that just the idea of photographing like the most important day of someone's life is incredibly scary to me. And I don't know that I would ever want to do that. What if they were doing parkour during the wedding? <laughs> I mean, if they did, I don't know if they would do it during the wedding. Like if they set up some, some vaults down the aisle, maybe, um, Perhaps, but like, I think I would be good at doing like the portraiture, like not of the wedding itself, but of just like, if the wedding party wanted to do parkour related stuff for like a portrait session, like outside of the, the whole, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the actual event that's happening, like, um, like outside of that, I think I would be really good at that. Um, but not just like the idea of doing, because like a wedding is so ephemeral, like it's one time and that's it and that's whatever. But if I'm posing people for photos, it's different because we can take like as much time as we want and I can make sure that I get it right. But the actual wedding like service itself, mm, that makes me scared. All right. So noted. So noted. We will, uh, we will, we will find some mm -hmm. opportunity to work together in the future. I'm sure it won't be the wedding photos. Maybe it'll be something else. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, so anyway, that's what's going on on my side. I got some random bullshit to talk about, but what else, what else have you been doing? It's, we, we're kind of like in a weird schedule and I've been away. So it feels like, you know, as we say every week, it feels like it's been a million years since you recorded. <laughs> I mean, you got any, uh, any other banter topics to bant about? Well, I was telling Patrick earlier that we've been on such a weird groove lately because like last week we did not do banter and the week before we did. And then the week before that we did not. So we've been kind of on this weird, like every other week schedule, um, which, you know, is neither here nor there. Cause we've got business to take care of for the show. Um, but I, I was telling Patrick, I was like, I have a hard time remembering like what I have and haven't talked about for banter on the show. Cause we don't really like schedule the banter. We just like bring whatever we've been doing to the show. And I'm always afraid I'm going to like talk about something, like that I either had just talked about or I'm going to forget something and like not talk about it or I don't know. So I, I mean, I haven't been doing, I mean, I know I've been doing stuff lately. I feel like I say this every single week where I'm like, Oh, I haven't been doing anything. But, uh, this week has been a wild week for me because a, it was the start of school. I work for university here and school started on Monday and this week was, Oh my God. It, I mean, it was like fine, but there's like some stuff that happened that I can't even like talk about on the show. So that's like, 
some other business. Um, and also I got, and I'll talk about this on the show, or I guess if you're listening to this right now, it will be in the time loop, so you'll have already heard about it, but I got control on Monday to review. And when I say I have dedicated almost all of my free time this week to playing that game, like I am almost not lying because I like would get home from work. I get home between like five and six and I got the code on Monday at like seven or eight or something. I installed it almost immediately. I made dinner. I played it for like four to five hours on Monday night. Tuesday, I got home from work. I played it for like three hours on Tuesday night. Wednesday, I got home and I was like really tired. So I took a little nap after work and I played it for like about an hour after work and then went to bed. And then Thursday, I played it for like three hours and I beat it. And then yesterday, or not yesterday, because today's Sunday. And then Friday, I played it, I think a little bit of post-game stuff after work. Um, And then yesterday, I played it a little bit more while I was waiting for some friends to come over because we went to Baton Rouge for some parkour stuff. And I have been playing Control so much, and this is not the time to talk about that because we, I mean, I guess we will have already talked about it because we're in the time loop right now. Um, But I've been playing that game so goddamn much, which I guess is like kind of maybe a hint at how I feel about it because I haven't been able to put it down. Um, But that's been a lot of my free time this week. Fair enough, fair enough. Save that enthusiasm. We're going to get into it in just a few minutes. Um, I don't have like anything else super notable, but I will say... That when I went down to L.A., um, you know, I mentioned that Josh is really into musical theater and he was super obsessed with a new show called Six. Um, and apparently it's like uh, setting everybody's brains on fire. Have you heard of Six? Uh, come, I think it's, it's out of London, I believe, and it's coming to Broadway soon. Have you heard of it by any chance? I have not heard of this at all. It is about the six wives of Henry VIII, who I guess was the King of England back in the day. I don't know what period that was because I am not a student of history in that way. But um, so apparently he got divorced and then beheaded his second wife. The third wife died. He divorced the fourth wife. He beheaded the fifth wife. And then he died on his sixth wife. So he had six wives, lots of drama going on there. And apparently some young scamp, uh, I think in their mid twenties wrote this like Broadway style show about these six wives but has done it in a modern day, like pop diva style. So instead of it being like all with like the starch collars and the Shakespearean talk and stuff, like they're they're out like singing like they're pop stars. And we listened to a bunch of songs and he did a couple, Josh did a couple of songs in his show and they're like really fun, catchy, like high energy songs. Like they're really fucking cool. And so we've been listening to the soundtrack ever since. Really good stuff. I would recommend anybody out there who has even a passing interest in musicals or, and I mean modern musicals, not like the, you know, old school, like Rodgers and Hammerstein or anything like that. Or even, you know, even some of the Sondheim stuff I find to be not quite my taste. But um, if you like, like really like recent modern, like rock, you know, upbeat current stuff, pretty, pretty great. Pretty great. I'm very excited for it to come. We're going to try to make plans to see it when it hits Seattle um, in the near future, but Six is really good stuff. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They got cool costumes, but the sound is very modern, and uh, it's very, very cool, very hip, very neat, as the kids say these days. <laughs> it sounds like this could be, like, the second coming of Hamilton in a certain way. I mean, maybe. It's it's definitely lighting people on fire. I haven't seen people as excited about a show like this probably since Hamilton. I mean, I don't know if it'll be as big or if it'll have as much of a cultural impact, but people are, are definitely sitting up and paying attention to it. So uh, you may end up hearing about it, even if you don't travel in Broadway or musical circles. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, 
Otherwise, God, the only thing to really mention, I mean, there's not a couple of movies, but should we even, I don't know if I shouldn't even talk about movies. Is, <laughs> is it boring? Should we talk movies? Should we not talk movies? It depends on what movies you want to talk about and how you feel I'll about talk, them. Well, true, true, true. I saw a bunch. <laughs> I'm going to just bring up, I'll bring up two really quickly. Um, did I talk about I Am Mother already? Mm, I don't think so. This is a Netflix original, uh, and it stars uh, Hillary Swank. That's is it Hillary Swank? Yeah, I get is Hillary this Swank. The one where she's in, in like the bunker and yes, with the robot. You know what I'm okay. about? Yeah, yeah okay, you, okay. Ha- you haven't talked about it, but I watched a trailer for it. Um, I always get Hillary Swank and Jennifer Garner mixed up, and I'm sure that makes me like a terrible person. But <laughs> yeah, like, they look kind of similar. Yeah, they're kind of like mousy, skinny white girls, and I have a really hard time <laughs> telling them apart, and I just can't. I just, uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, um, I, I watched on Netflix, Netflix original. It's actually really, 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 really good. I really liked it a lot. Um, it's hard sci-fi and it's about in the near future, a little, a, a robot, an autonomous robot, uh, like thaws a human embryo and raises it from being a baby. To, and I think in the movie she ends up being like, I don't know, 16 or something like that. So this robot is the only mother this human girl has known and they're inside the sealed bunker because outside is supposed to be like toxic and lethal and dangerous etc 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 um and so one day uh they a, a survivor shows up at their door and they're surprised because there's not supposed to be anybody who's alive outside and they don't know what's going on and so i'm not going to spoil anything but you know they bring the survivor in and, and things happen they talk to her and you know events events occur uh, but it's really, really good. There's only like three people in the entire movie. It's like the robot, it's the girl, and then it's um, Jennifer Swank or uh, whatever her name is. <laughs> Jennifer and, Swank. <laughs> <laughs> whatever her name is, that la- that lady, that actress. Oh, um, and it's a very small cast. Very, you know, they reuse a lot of the sets over and over. But God, it was just great. It was a great movie. It asked a lot of really fucking interesting questions. The answers were really interesting, and they all did a great job. And the robot was actually fucking awesome. Like it looked really good, um, very convincing, very cool. Um, if you like, if you like some of the hard edge sci-fi, I totally recommend it. Um, I it kind of came and went. I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it, but boy, that was definitely one that I think people should catch. And don't don't dismiss it just because it's a Netflix original. They really um, did a standout job. I I loved the hell out of that one. Yeah, I think um, this seems to be like a common. I don't want to say like problem, but just like issue that I see coming up with Netflix is that like, you know, there was a a point in time where Netflix was only putting out like a couple of shows, but now it's like, it's like every week there's like, oh, these 10 new Netflix movies. And like at a certain point, they were all sort of like maybe starring people that you hadn't necessarily heard of, or maybe like international actors who are kind of breaking through into the United States. But now you have like movies where like really famous people are in them. Cause like Hilary Swank is an Oscar winner. Like she's like a big deal in the acting community, even though she hasn't been in like a ton of stuff lately. And so they're getting like these movies that are being produced by like, you know, award-winning directors and award-winning producers and award-winning actors. And then they just like come out on Netflix and because they don't have, I don't know if it's because they don't have theatrical releases, but they just like, come out and then you don't really hear, and they could be really great, but you just like don't really hear anybody talking about them because they just like quietly launch on Netflix and then it's like on to the next big movie that's coming out tomorrow on Netflix and then the next big one that's coming out the next day on Netflix. And it's just like, I feel like they don't give 
like the quality stuff that they're putting out really like time to breathe or like as much maybe exposure as they need to be. And I feel like just like they're the stuff that they're producing, it's just like a little too rapid and maybe they need to like cool off just a tiny bit, maybe. You know, that's a really good point. And I think you're actually right on target because I only knew about it because it popped up in my, you know, recommended for you or whatever mentions. And I'm like, Oh, what's this thing I've never heard of. And I, you know, I, just happened to click and watch the trailer and it caught my attention, but I could have very easily not clicked on that trailer and I never would have heard about it or heard anything of it. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think that this, this movie could have easily been released in a theater. I think it would have done just fine. Um, and it's just really fucking interesting and cool. Like if you like sci-fi, this is something that you must watch this year. It's a really, really notable sci-fi movie. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think they should do more than just have it pop up in your little, your, your little, you know, of interest to you feed like they should really take out some ads or you know do something to really get more attention because i i never would have known about it if i hadn't just randomly been clicking around um yes agreed agreed um one more movie to talk about real quickly uh trashylvania good friend trashylvania from twitter uh recommended to me happy death day a million years ago and i remembered it because he was really talking it up and he and I have some overlapping tastes. And I thought, well, if, if Trash likes it, then I probably will like it too. Just watched it. Um, and I got to say, it was great. Have you uh, seen it or heard of it? I've heard of it. This was, correct me if I'm wrong, this is like a cheesy horror slasher that got that was better than it had any right to be? I mean, true. That's all true. And the hook of it was that um, it's this woman who gets killed, and then every time she gets killed, she comes back and relives the day over, kind of like a Groundhog Day sort oh, of a thing. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, so that was really the hook, is that every time she dies, she's trying to figure out who keeps killing her, and so each time she gets revived, she learns, you know, she's like, she obviously keeps the knowledge that she gained, and then she's able to make different choices and to see, oh, well, if I walk left down this path... I got stabbed by this tree, but if I walk straight, then I don't get stabbed until I get to the hospital or, you know, like whatever. <laughs> um, so it sounds like just a regular kind of a slasher movie with a twist, but I will actually say this movie blew me away because of like how wholesome and like family friendly it was and like what a positive message it imparted to the viewers. I was expecting a slasher film and it kind of is, but it's really bloodless. Like they take almost no time whenever she gets killed like she'll get stabbed or something and you'll know that she gets stabbed it's obvious but it, it won't dwell on it like she just you know the, the knife hits her and then she like wakes up in bed and she starts the day over like it, it's not gory um so i guess if you're watching with kids who are sensitive to that don't do that don't watch this movie but i mean i watched it with my son and he's 10 and he thought it was totally fine and we off we were like remarking throughout the film like oh how i mean i don't want to say tame because it kind of gives it like a negative connotation but just how how little time they spent on the gore and the stabbing and the killing. It was just basically like reset your day. And they kind of went over and did that again. Um, it was really funny. It was really, really funny. There were a lot of really sharp jokes, a lot of funny wink, wink commentary. Um, and the girl who was the star of the movie, she starts out as like this rotten fucking person that you're like, Oh, good for you. I'm glad you got stabbed. <laughs> but by the end of the movie, like she realizes how fucked up she is and like what a bad person she's being and so she tries her best to like you know rehab herself into being a good person uh and so and, and you you end up walking away from the film with this message of like you know yeah you should be a good person and 
if it takes getting stabbed 14 times and dying 14 times for you to learn that lesson, well, I guess it's worth it because at the end you really like her and then she ends up being somebody that you're really rooting for instead of hoping she gets killed. And it was just really, really good. It was funny. It was tense. I mean, I think um, the action was good. I mean, it was just like a great, really great film. I, I, I would definitely recommend that one. All I was expecting was a cheap slasher flick and we got like so much more. Like we all walked away kind of like feeling good about it. It was kind of like a feel-good movie. It was kind of weird. I <laughs> did not expect that, but Happy Death Day was fantastic. Okay, if you watched that and liked it, then you damn well need to sit down and watch Russian Doll on Netflix, which I know I already talked about, because there seem to be some similar themes going on here, except for Russian Doll is very, like... I mean, I wouldn't call it, like, gruesome, because it's not, like, a horror show, but it's definitely, like... You know, you see blood, it's very vulgar, you know, they say fuck a lot and stuff like that, and there's, like, a little bit of sex in it, but it's, you know, I talked about it on the show already, but it's a lot of the same themes, where it's, like, you have a woman who's, like, kind of, like, maybe not the greatest person in the world, and then she does the whole Groundhog Day scenario where she keeps dying at her birthday party, and she has to figure out, like, what the fuck's going on, and then she ends up meeting somebody who is also dying at the same time, and so they, like have to join up and figure out, like, what, if anything, is, like, the common denominator in their lives that's causing them to both relive the day over and over again. Because I bet you would like it. And I think I said this the last time I talked about it. I think Gina would really like it, too. Um, so you guys should try that sometime if you have time. It is on our list for sure. I think the only problem is that we have very limited time to watch a show when my son is also not awake. Mm. Um, he can, like, at, at this point where he's 10... Um, he can generally stay awake longer than either me or my wife. And so we can't really do the whole stay up, like put the kid to bed and stay up because, I mean, Gina gets up really early for work, so she conks out pretty quick. I can stay up, you know, later than that, but we, we both can't outlast him. And then I don't want to get up early in the morning. I don't want to get up at like five o'clock so I can watch a movie with my wife before she goes to work because she's getting ready for work. I'm still tired in the morning because I'm more of a night owl. And so like we're just like in this like zone where we can never watch anything that's like quote unquote, you know, inappropriate with my son around, which is why we, you know, our, our stuff lately has been pretty tame. I mean, I think Happy Death Day, I heard that it was okay. And we got the sense from the trailer that it was more funny than scary. So that was why we risked it and it ended up paying off. Uh, but if, if it had not been as funny and as bloodless as it was, we would have had to stop it in the middle and just watch something else. So um, I've heard that Russian Doll is really good. I know you liked it a lot. It's on our list, but um, I've had people tell me that they think that maybe it's not one that we should... Um, watch with the kid in the room so uh it's as soon as we get some time when he's not around we're gonna watch it for sure all right good yeah i would not probably not recommend it for him to be there either so that's definitely a good call all right right on right on i'm just gonna give a quick shout out really fast to ready or not last thing last movie that i saw uh this is a brand new movie i think it's actually still in theaters about a woman who marries into a family who are famous for their um, board game empire and on the night of her wedding, the initiation that she must go through in order to become a member of the family is to play a lethal game of hide-and-seek in their mansion. Have you seen the commercials for this? Oh, yeah. I watched the trailer, and it looks really good. And I told Patrick last weekend when it came out, I was like, hey, I kind of want to go see this movie because it looks really good and it's getting good reviews. And he was like, what is it? And I was like, uh, it's called Ready or Not. And it's like about this woman who's like kind of like, gets married and has to like fight the whole family. And he was like, what? I've never heard of it. And I was like, okay, well it has like a 90% of Rotten Tomatoes and looks really good. And then he like never returned to the subject. So we did not go see it. 
<laughs> okay, clearly he had his mind occupied on other things, whatever. Uh, yeah, we went to go see it last weekend. It was okay. I mean, I'm not going to say it was great. It wasn't bad. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, but the, I, I mean, the trailer is great. It's got a very good trailer, which is what sold us on it. And seeing this lady in a wedding dress, like running through rooms and hiding and like, you know, people getting shot and killed. And it seemed like another kind of like horror comedy sort of a thing. And it was, but, um, I gotta say that I know a lot of people are really applauding it and they, it's getting a lot of really good reviews. And I think that that's, you know, that I can understand it. But for me, my, me personally, I felt like the movie couldn't decide whether it wanted to lean into the funny or lean into the scary. And it kind of ended up, for me anyway, being in kind of a weird middle ground where mm. every time I started to laugh, like something would happen where they clearly wanted you to be like holding your breath or scared. And then once you started leaning into the fear, they would make a joke that would kind of jolt you out of it. And it, I know that sometimes really good horror comedies can do that, but it just didn't quite hit the right notes for me. So we enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, good performances, but I just, it just never was funny enough and it was never scary enough. And it kind of just like, just kind of lukewarmed its way to the end. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to sound bad cause I liked it, but I probably would never watch it again. And I'm not sure that I would recommend it to anybody. Like it was just, it was, I feel like the trailer was better than the movie. If that makes any sense. Mm, it does make sense. That's, I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, they just couldn't quite decide which way they wanted to go. Um, Huh. I uh, see. I'm in that window right now where like it's and I think I've said this on the show before. We're like more often than not, if I don't see a movie while it's in theaters, I know I will just never watch it. And it's probably not going to be in theaters for more than like another week or maybe two if we're lucky. So I have a hard decision on my hands of do I want to go see it or never watch it again for the rest of my life? Right. And, you know, and of course, life is not necessarily that black and white. You can always <laughs> rent it later or something. But I'll throw this into the mix for you. Um the wife and I recently joined the Regal Unlimited thing. Unlimited? Un, untamed? <laughs> untamed. Un, untamed. Maybe it's Regal Untamed. Maybe it's Regal Unmaxed. Un it's something where we, we live really close to Regal Theater. And if it's like, a, it's like a movie pass thing where you pay, I think it's $23 a month. And you can go to as many movies as you want. Uh, as often as you want. And so we've been going to... So, so for us, with the prices around here, if we go to two movies a month, then it pays for itself. And anything past that is gravy. And we have been going to, like, two movies a month lately. So I'm like, well, fuck, why don't we just join it? Because we're paying the cash anyway. Why, you know, why, why don't we? Because we, you know, we're just paying money. Otherwise, we could just have this membership and go see it for free. So we did. So maybe, I don't know how many movies you go to, but you go to, you go to movies. You go to movies like I do. Maybe that would be something of interest to you. If you go to at least two movies a month, I mean, depending on the prices in your area, maybe it's worth it for you. It might be. I would also have to look and see if we have any Regal theaters around here, because I don't know if we do. I mean, there's got to be one somewhere. Um, but also, this is the kind of thing where, like, even if I didn't go to the movies a lot, that might be something that would, like, gear me into going to the movies a lot. And also, I'm someone who is not afraid to go see movies by myself. Like, I know a lot of people... They don't like to go out to a restaurant by themselves. They don't like to go see movies by themselves. And I'm like, whatever, fuck people, because I will do everything by myself. So I like seeing movies by myself. I just don't do it super often. Um, so that could be an option if I got some kind of movie pass as well. Yeah, I've gone to movies myself in the past. I've uh, Many times, many times. So I'm not averse to that either. And it was definitely changing my attitude because I was looking at like what was out this week. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't normally go to see these, but since it's free, I mean, you know, quote unquote free since I already paid for the month, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, maybe I would 
go see like these other two movies that I normally wouldn't pay full price for. But if, if I can get in for no extra cash, then maybe I will go see those movies. So it definitely is going to get me to the theater more often, I think. Um, and of course, I mean, the, really the hook is like they want you to buy popcorn and soda more often because that's where they make their money. I, I, I do not buy any snacks when I go to the movie theater. So they're not going to make any money off me. But since they're offering this deal and since I go see the, that many movies anyway, I mean, why not, right? Yeah, those suckers trying to get you with the soda that's like 10 ounces that's like four hundred dollars yeah i don't get oh, yeah, i don't dude. get food at the theater either when i go no 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 i have a coat that has really big pockets like inside and i just like <laughs> i make my own popcorn for real and just put it in a plastic bag and bring it oh my god and like it doesn't make me look fat or anything i look like my normal slim self <laughs> go down no one can tell i'm, I'm holding like <laughs> like 19 pounds of popcorn in my bag or my coat and i just you know whatever so Anyway, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. You got anything? Uh, I don't think so. We can probably wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's talk about some games. Let's do it.